This is the Mission Control Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Mission Control. I'm sitting with Matthew Tonich. How are you going? Hello, hello, I'm very well. Good to um, be back here, how are you? Yeah, you're back. Yes. This is the, the second the one you've done. Yes. Yeah. Is that, have, you, have you had many doubles? Um, I'm starting to, I've exhausted like my network, so it's like, <laughs> yeah, now it's time for the doubles. You've got 60 yeah. friends and now you're going to do them all Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, no, but I'm, I'm always stoked when, when anyone comes on, so yeah, I mean, I, I just kind of plant the seeds and whoever says yes... I'm happy if one out of ten come mm. down, so... <laughs> Don't sell yourself that short. Nah, well... You're, you're rejecting people left, right and centre, aren't you? <laughs> Absolutely not. No, 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 no. It's quite the opposite. I'm like, yeah, I'm really stoked when people uh, decide to come back. Uh, congratulations on your new position. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I've been RTR. Here. Yeah, I've been back for like like a month now. I was in Melbourne for, for six months, and then as as several people do, that didn't pan out for me, so I've like completed that Perth Rite of Passage of trying that and coming back. Yeah. And... Um, <laughs> Yeah, now now I'm the new marketing coordinator out here. That's pretty swell. That's cool. How, how's uh, how's it all so far? Is yeah, it, it's, it's beautiful. It's a dream job. I, I've been like trying to find something secure and consistent and full time in that world for the last three and a half years. I think I calculated. I kind of worked for free or for less or for less far less than what I'm worth. Uh, mm-hmm. Probably at fifteen hundred hours or more over the last three but years. Just Jeez, like yeah. volunteering, doing event stuff, writing for free, editing all that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But it much to my a pleasant surprise it it has kind of paid off and now I'm a, a real human being with a real job and a 9 to 5 and all that crap yeah yeah, it's good you're gonna settle down have some kids yeah white picket fence yeah definitely yeah. that's definitely the kind of guy I am <laughs> um, now that's cool so it, it eventually paid off because um, yeah. you know a lot of people I know a lot of people that work even myself have, have worked for free before and it's really hard to have that foresight of, look, this is going to pay off eventually. Yeah. Um, because it just sucks when you're working for free, to be yeah. honest. Um, yeah. You're kind of just hanging in there, um, waiting for someone to throw you a lifeline. So. Yeah, I, I definitely didn't expect this to happen. Like, I was, I was in Melbourne and then... Uh Something happened. And I was like, I don't really, I don't really want to do. I have much reason to be here anymore. And then, uh, then I applied for this, and like, not really thinking that much, but kind of secretly hoping. You know how, like, when you when you don't want to psych yourself up too much, and you're like, I don't want that to happen, but secretly, like, I kind of really do. Yeah. And you're hoping that somehow, it, by some universal property, uh, not wanting it that badly will actually make you get it more. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, if that th- makes I think any that's sense. yeah. There's some weird law there in the universe where um, if you're not really focused on it, it kind of comes to you. And Maybe if, if you kind of. Uh, I guess. Are you reading The Secret or something? Because that's <laughs> absolutely. This, this is sounding like well, a book club right now. Yeah, totally. Um, I found that just in general, like uh, the things that I really want, it's not a linear thing. Like you don't just get it. You're gonna right. have to be patient, and then it'll come to you. Like what? W- when you least expect it. Uh, like having sex. <laughs> no. <I'm kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um, just uh, well, employment, uh, gigs that you want. Um, you know festival slots this and that like when you expect things they, they just don't come is that a good lead-in to say that you've got <laughs> those good things coming your way I don't know about, I don't know about the sex but at least <laughs> gigs and festival slots given that you guys just announced your own laneway as of two days ago yeah um, that was through Triple J on Earth yeah and that, that well once again it was uh, nothing that we expected yeah. to happen congratulations by the way oh thank you yeah yeah um, well I think it was yeah just an unearthed competition 
as long as your music was up there, you were a candidate for uh, being selected. But yeah, we had no idea that we would get selected. I mean, well, so just by virtue of having a track on Unearth's website, yeah. So you yeah. didn't you didn't have to like fill out a form or anything. No, they just, no, no. So they just went through like thousands of profiles <laughs> for each much. city. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, I feel sorry for that intern. <laughs> yeah, that's that must be a lot of work. Yeah, like because um, uh, I think there's like an approval process before your tracks can get up on the site. Yeah, but they were even um, going through stuff that wasn't approved yet like that had just been submitted that day right. so there would have been thousands of songs yeah. I think yeah. how much stuff do you guys have up there um, we've got like two tracks I think two or three tracks right yeah and um, yeah just gotten pretty good response yeah sick yeah. and then do they get in touch with you or like do they yeah, talk yeah, to think, your people um, your management team your <laughs> well temper? we don't really have a management team but they, they did call <laughs> Elise and um, and they uh, well they emailed her and then yeah uh, called her up after yeah. that just to say um, yeah what are you doing on February 14th mm. so. <laughs> on Valentine's Day oh, that's that's nice yeah wow I didn't even know that was Valentine's mm. Day but yeah does, does um, that say something about you Daryl <laughs> My love life. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's going to be at, in Frio. Mm-hmm. Um, I do miss it. I do miss Laneway at Pika. I think Pika just has a cool vibe. When did they move it to Frio? Like a um, couple of years think, ago now, right? Yeah, two or so years ago. Yeah. It's been in Frio now. And it's it's been good, but there was something cool about it being in Pika, I think, amongst all the buildings and yeah. stuff like that. And like the, the backstage area was essentially like the urban orchard. Yeah. So, Have you yeah. been to many of them before? Uh, laneways yeah I uh, I played in 2011 as think, at, husband um, this no. was uh, with Carl Fox Carl Fox yeah that's right and uh, yeah it was a really, really good year Falls local natives like I really love all those bands um, and that was a yeah really great day good vibes you know it's not your typical festival yeah of uh, kind of drunken people yeah. everywhere it was really cool good mix of people and stuff yeah. yeah yeah and then you guys are also doing Disconnect in well, Friday right um, on Friday Friday, yeah. yeah. So it's like a three-day camping festival, but um, we're going to be playing on the Friday at about four o'clock mm-hmm. um, in the chapel. Oh, yeah. So there's like um, the, the Fairbridge uh, Chapel sort of thing, like a church that they have there yeah. in in the village. Um, so it's going to be there, and yeah, it should be a good day. That'll be a real cool setting. Yeah, I think it'll suit our sound. Strangely. Yeah, how, how, I mean, how many bands, like how many Perth bands, have the opportunity to play in a church? Mm, yeah, in a building like that, and it's definitely viable for the kind of music you do. Are you going to have uh, the opportunity to have like a screen or visual stuff there we're gonna try but we don't know if if, if that's logistically possible mm. um but worst case i think we can uh, we can do something yeah <laughs> yeah that'd be cool yeah i think the um but i think the sound is what i'm looking forward to you know yeah um yeah it'll just have that natural cavernous reverb yeah the reverb of those stained glass windows that'll be beautiful yeah yeah and um, how did that one come about um, we just got asked. I think um, we found out when we were playing Wave Rock at the time, uh-huh. and uh, we had zero reception. And then when we finally got to a town, <laughs> an area that did have reception, uh, the offer just came through. So yeah, Great. I think it was just all uh, good timing. For a second, I thought you meant reception is in like no one just watch your Wave Rock. <laughs> total zero interest. Sorry, no, I meant uh, mobile reception. Yeah. But also that, yeah, <laughs> no one cared either way. So no. <laughs> so so that, so that was your first kind of festival deal of that sort, right? Wave Rock. Um, uh, yes, yeah. yeah. I I'd always um, heard about Wave Rock and uh, seen the lineups and stuff like that, and yeah, it was really cool to be able to to play. Um, and it was my first time at Wave Rock, mm. so to be playing and experiencing it was really cool. Yeah, yeah. I think the the best part was sunset um, around five or six o'clock. Um, everyone went up to the rock and 
basically watch the sun go down. Was that when you guys were playing? Um, well, yeah, it happened when we were playing, but the the following day we walked up and caught caught the sunset, nice. and it was really cool. That's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. Mm. But yes, um, so how is your? What do you actually do at RTR? I mean, I know you're the marketing director? Uh, coordinator, coordinator. Yeah. So I've just taken over from uh, this woman named Apple Bagios, who's gone on to Perth Festival. I actually applied for this job like a year and a half ago and didn't really hear much back. But then I was like, I'm just going to go to America and be a bum for a while. Mm. Um, and that, I think I talked to you after you got back from America or was it before you were leaving? It was It was after I got back from America before yeah. I went to Melbourne. Yeah. Um, there's like May or April I think mm-hmm. no no sorry it was like March it was March yep. I'll just keep going backwards in the months <laughs> till we get to the start of the year um, yeah so I'm the marketing coordinator so uh, we put on 12 gigs a year roughly um, yep so like what is that in the pines radiothon fermenter winter music festival uh the quiz show uh right now as as of as of this very moment that film uh, festival's coming yeah up, give right? me give me some truth we had the, yep. the launch night of that last night by the time this goes up it might be over yep. but uh <laughs> give me some truth is is, is, the, is the third year running that rtr has done a music documentary film festival mm-hmm. at luna at luna outdoor to kick off their program that's pretty cool last night it was uh, we like it like that the story of Latin Boogaloo which is a genre I know really nothing about but it's yep. a really interesting mix of uh, uh, of ethnicities and musical styles coming together in, in the Bronx in the late 60s and 70s and it kind of uh, grew really big in a really quick amount of time then fizzled out shortly after and like all these all these names that I don't really know anything about but people who obviously like were very formidable mu- and still are formidable musicians and uh, very big in that, in that little scene mm-hmm. uh, it kind of makes you realise how like that you can consider yourself a knowledgeable person about music, but be completely unaware of something else entirely. Like how yep. much breadth there is, how much there is to know, uh, and how impossible it is to really be an expert or even just like a, a casual observer of everything. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I, I know a lot about, I don't know, post rock, doom metal, Chicago noise rock. That's a pretty small niche. And mm-hmm. there are thousands upon thousands of the niches, yeah. be it like aesthetic niches or, or geographic niches or temporal niches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that film was really cool. Uh, tonight is Prison Songs, which is Australia's first documentary musical, I think is, is how we're talking about it. Uh, and then what else have we got? We've got the, the Peter Barr documentary on Wednesday. Bar None. Yeah. Uh, like a 30-minute little piece on him about his, his final week yep. at RTR, which was about a year ago. Um, wow, that time's yeah. seriously flying. Yeah. I, I, so I've been at RTR for like a month now. I didn't know him before then, but he's he's. it's so hard to get work done around him because he's always wearing this this huge shit-eating grin. Yeah. And, it's, and, and just every time he flicks me a look, it's just... It's, it's hilarious. He's a, he's a real, for, for a guy who's for a guy who's like on radio. He's made his life on radio. He's like very visual <laughs> and very like he, he would be just he's a good vibe. Yeah, he'd yeah, be just yeah. as d- distracting and hilarious on television or in any other visual form. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's been really sweet. Uh, and then we've got Distant Murmurs on January 16 at the Rosemount, which is the second year we're doing that, and that's. Uh, a three-stage music festival at like 459 nice. Bar, the Beer Garden, and Roseanne Main Room. And who's who's on that? It's, man, it's, since, I was, since I've been in Perth only for like three of the last 12 months, I've totally fallen out of the loop. So yeah. there are heaps of bands that I've heard about or like heard a couple of tracks on but never seen live. Yeah. So it, it's exciting. Though. It's, it's cool when like your your hometown suddenly produces all this interesting stuff and you can come back and it's like mm. new again. Well, it's boring if you know every yeah, single yeah, yeah. band. And yeah, I, I like being late to certain things. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, um, yeah, when you, when you kind of consume 
music at your own pace without being rushed. I think it's a lot more special that yeah. way. So who's on that? Uh, Mining Tax, Al Zabo, Digi Rockwell, and Friends. And I think and Friends will be like a really cool collection of people. I don't know mm-hmm. exactly who yet. Maybe Mathis might be one of them. Hopefully, I don't know. Yeah, someone from the community. Huh? Yeah, yeah, several communitarians, perhaps. <laughs> communitarians. Um, <laughs> and that's probably already a Perth band. Um, uh, Atropat, Trees, uh, Bahasa Malay... Craig Hollywood, cool. Wish, it's 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 really cool. It, it'll be it'll be cool. It's like it's like twenty bucks, and it goes for like it's like twenty twenty bands, twenty bucks, something like that. Yeah, totally okay. worth it. Yeah, see, and of course the um the winter music fest, but that's not till next year. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. I think we've got a couple other gigs after Distant Moments, and then we're going into In the Pines, which would be really cool. I think I'll be I'll be part of the the uh, group that selects who's going to be on that. Nice. And uh, there are some Perth bands that I'd love to uh, reunite. Yep. Um, and we're kind of working on that and, and plenty of plenty of other Perth bands I've never heard of that might be reuniting for that mm-hmm. uh, and just kind of speaking to that last point about like leaving Perth and coming back like another thing is that there are so many amazing bands that just don't really have any documentation like uh, uh, that and so like you I've been thinking like I really love the Leap Year do you know them? Uh, yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and that, and one of the dudes maybe two of the dudes from there Rob Sheffield is one of them he's, he's been like playing in Perth bands for like the last 20-25 mm-hmm. years I didn't even realise that he was so decorated um so like he goes back to this band called blue tile lounge this other indie rock band from the mid 90s and like plenty of stuff in between mm-hmm. and it kind of makes you realize that you know you think you're a, again you think you're a part of the scene you know a lot but especially in perth because this stuff isn't that well documented you kind of just have to talk to people re- to realize hang on this actually goes yeah. way back and my yep. my view and my scope and my my uh, area of knowledge is only this very small like you know it's five ten year yeah. period it's a small slice of the actual yeah. pie yeah. yeah um and you're right and uh, a lot of it is um, I think what would be cool is uh, I think we've spoken about this before but drawing up a chart of of uh, Perth bands who they're affiliated with and, and what yeah. years what years they were active and which year they called it quits and that's, stuff that's like kind that. of something that I might have the chance to do it out here there's this mm. presenter named Russ Chisholm who's been there for 35 maybe 40 years now uh, like almost since its inception no not 40, less than 40 but like I think he's like one of the the oldest mates at RTR um, yeah. and he I met him I met him a couple of weeks ago and he looks like Rick Rubin okay. and he's got a really pleasant nature but he's essentially like a walking encyclopedia of Perth knowledge and he actually has these huge family trees connecting all these Perth bands going back to maybe the 60s or the 70s yeah, wow. up sure. to now and he, he presents uh, I think Woodstock Rock and, and maybe Homegrown um, and he has this m- weekly segment on Breakfast with Caitlin where he looks into a defunct Perth band every week um, and so that one I mentioned before Blue Tile Lounge he's, he's done a piece on them and he'd like basically talk to as many people as he can and present this picture and play a couple of tracks and I think that's really fucking cool that we have the opportunity to preserve stuff that's worth preserving but that people don't there's no financial incentive to preserve and I guess mm. that's the benefit of being a yeah. community radio station where you're not your decisions aren't governed by uh, commercial intent as such or well, to, a, to a small extent but like you're, you're able to explore yeah there's no agenda there yeah exactly the agenda is, is, is good shit is talking about good shit and doing mm-hmm. good shit yeah it's stuff that's worthy of being yeah, talked about yeah yeah, um, yeah and I think uh, what you were saying about the, the lack of documentation but like literally you cannot hear a track like yeah. there's no, no no place that you could buy yeah or purchase or listen online like oh. uh, like that band's like actually lost yeah yeah and a, a no few, one's documenting a few it. people probably have CDs or, or, or LPs lying around mm-hmm. but uh, not much beyond that and I mean if, if it's just an LP like it's it's an effort to get that uh, turn into a digital format and to do it justice and not just mm-hmm. like record a really shitty version yeah um, and and like 
the incentive would only be just the love of doing it of just wanting to do it yeah. so yeah there, there's probably like heaps of amazing music that I would love that I just have no way of accessing because first of all I don't necessarily have the knowledge or the resources to find out who that pers- who those people are and who those bands are uh, let alone find their records or their recordings yeah yeah yeah. yeah. You, you, th- there should be some massive archive that would be cool I mean yeah but that's that, that's kind of like what I'd like to try and do with mm-hmm. RTR because yeah. RTR is like the best resource for that given that it's not it doesn't have that commercial intent uh, and that there is the opportunity and, and all the resources and all the people and and all the the goodwill that the station has to um to look into those things and to start trying to put together the history mm-hmm. of Perth music. I know Adam Trainer, who used to be the music director and now lectures at Curtin and plays in like Gilded, Original Past Life, and used to play in Radar Maker and a bunch of other bands. He's kind of been doing that at the State Library. I, I met him a couple of days ago, um, and he's he's been putting together together like this history of local music. I think he's documenting like maybe the sixties, seventies, eighties though. I don't know if he's doing like modern stuff as much, which is my main reference point. Like my main thing is like I'd love to do a profile of like Mile End who one of my favorite Perth bands. I love I love Nyland. Yeah. yeah. Um uh, I mean that's that's like hard to do because at least two of the dudes Dean and Max I think are both in Melbourne now mm-hmm. and and Cam for that matter I managed to it's weird I don't, I don't know them but I managed to like run into them or, yeah. or see them in Melbourne mm-hmm. it's amazing like how many people you run into in a city like that even yeah. more so than here and it's, 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 it's so much, a lot smaller than you think yeah. almost everyone I knew of or knew from Perth who was in Melbourne I saw at some point or another yeah yeah. And I mean I don't go out that much so I don't even know how that happened <laughs> yes. yeah. introverts unite yeah, yeah. yeah no I remember Cam from like the fault days yeah i i I remember seeing them uh first at this venue at like just next to garden city it was like the melville yc it was yak you know it it was was, yak yeah Yeah, i I used to be on the council for that really yeah the 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 melbourne uh melbourne the melville yak uh the youth advisory council yeah yeah yeah. they used to put on side gigs at the vault that's the one yeah yeah Yeah. um, the vault at the vault i remember (laughs) you know what we we were probably at the same show i remember seeing them i remember seeing uh, this band called something Antics with this this front man named Aslin. This guy with like a small afro. Oh, yes, I, I remember I- that band. Yes, I, I do remember that band. Oh, I wish I knew the name. Uh-huh. And and then I remember also like meet meeting or at least talking to. Uh, Nick Barnett, who I think was doing sound there, who is in or who was in Myland, and I think yeah. now also lives in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very small circle when you get down <laughs> to it. Even when you start going back a decade, because this would have been when I was fifteen, so like two thousand and five, two thousand and six. Yeah, I remember seeing the fault at, uh, at HQ as well back in back in the day when I was yeah, going to shows there. HQ, when yeah. I think that and when before they did, well, I think they now do like exclusively hardcore shows, right? Is that does that sound accurate? That's pretty much the what they're known for. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't really see anything any other any other genres except hardcore metal yeah 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 i remember seeing i first saw tangled thoughts of leaving there which i guess kind of at that time they kind of fit into that vibe i saw i saw fear of comedy a couple times there yeah cool i saw thomas ford there for the first time <laughs> like just just thrusting himself against a bunch of well i don't want to say against a much bunch of you know minors but <laughs> he was at least he was at least flirting with some boundaries there <laughs> yeah well telling that line yeah 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 um yeah i do i remember a lot of i, I was big into to hardcore and metal and stuff as you probably know um so hq white sands the lookout like all those old venues were like where i used to hang out where were white Um, sands and the lookout uh they were both in scarborough okay yeah the lookout used to have a lot of metal like touring metal shows like static x and that sort of stuff yeah right white sands just had 
a lot of local like black doom metal sort of stuff um who, who are the locals we're talking about and what what era is this what this years? is like 2003 2000 no, no no i would say 2004 2005 right 2006 sort of i would see like the furor and like yeah i can't remember any names now but um i used to watch discord a lot oh yeah yeah yeah, this is going back ages um miles away were they a part of that thing uh yeah kind of i think they were more are they are you talking about the punk band yeah the the hardcore band yeah miles away yeah um i think they were more of a hq yeah okay yeah um but yeah i i it's a pity those two venues closed down. Like some of my first shows were there. Like when I when I had just turned eighteen. Is it playing or there. attending? Um, attending and playing, but mainly attending. <laughs> what? What? Who were you playing with at the time? This was ages ago. This is like Seraphim days. Is, is that your first band? That was my first sort of band, like yeah. serious band. Yeah, I, I had been jamming with people like a lot up in, up until that point, but that was my first like gigging band. Seraphim is definitely the kind of name you give your first band. <laughs> <laughs> It was. It was me. It was. A, it was a whole. It was Alex from Voyager mm-hmm. in the band. It was Roland who um, produces stuff for like Make Them Suffer, and um, he's now in Singapore. It was Joe who Joe who's uh, he's doing a lot of theatre work at the moment um, for the Blue Room and stuff right. in in Mur- at, like Murdoch Uni. And it was Hannah, and she's now in Melbourne, like doing a solo thing. And yeah, it was a very kind of. A perfect circle. <laughs> yeah, that you know, whole era. Alt, alt rock sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, which we were all into. But um, it's funny how that isn't a thing at all now. Alt it rock. isn't. Yeah, but I, 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 I still listen to it and I still love it. Yeah. If I put on like a perfect circle, um, Murder Noms or like Thirteenth Step, I still fall in love with it. Like I'm still, still as in love with it as I was. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's kind of little tinges of post rock in there. Yeah. But it's not. You know, there's a lot of chorusy guitars and cool drum beats, and I think there's some of that I still carry with me today like yeah. when i play stuff so i just find it so interesting that that is a term that's not really bandied around at all anymore mm. that it almost has become indie rock even i mean the style has changed as well but uh that like that that sonic space is no longer referred to as old rock mm. which is weird. yeah that 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 label is kind of died yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah but um but we actually know each other i mean i know your brother as well yeah i think we talked about this last time yeah i know i know your brother but it was it just it it weirds me out how how connected people are um in perth let alone everywhere in the world yeah oh yeah. That, that's oh I've, I've got i've got a great story on that note actually i, I yeah. forgot i've been t- i told this story for, like to everyone for a week straight i think i told this to you maybe, yeah okay but yeah. I, if so i'll tell it again so the other night uh a couple of weeks ago i was sitting outside the bird waiting for a friend about to go into doctor puss when they were launching their record um and it's like 8.30pm or so and, and this, this guy walks past me and he says hey you met Tomich this doesn't happen this doesn't happen to me very often I'm not I look like one of those people, but I'm not a person that people actually know. I'm not a known person by any means, even though I'm mistaken for like for being in a band all the yeah. time. Whenever I'm like selling merch, or whatever. Anyway, he says, "Are you are you Matt Tomich?" And I say, "Yes." And he says, oh, "I recognise you from Facebook. I have your hat." And he takes off this this Charlotte Hornets cap, and lo and behold, like beneath the brim in my mum's handwriting is Matt Tomich. And I say, "That gee, that's funny because." I won this sh- I won this this cap 18 years ago or so when I was five when I entered this competition to join the NBA club which is like a, a basketball fan club and I think they closed down like the, the club itself closed down but I won the prize and so they honored the prize by sending me all this free shit like these little little pins uh, jerseys a whole heap of caps for like every single team little toy cars that I think I still have lying around 
and uh and and include inclusive of that was this charlotte hornets cap and uh i'm like where did you get this and he says oh i got it from an op shop in williton like from a salvation army or something see that's fucking weird because that's where i live and i cleaned through all of my old basketball hats and stuff that i don't wear anymore and took them all to an op shop a couple of years ago so what happened is this guy went and bought this hat saw my name on it remembered the name recognized the name on facebook saw my face on my facebook saw me sitting outside the bird then and then decided to come and say hello and start talking to me and he also said you're not getting the hat back which which i think is fair enough i'm pretty sure he's earned it and it was it's uh it was uh shit what's his name sam from shit narnia uh, i've forgotten his last name now sorry dude um which, uh, which member is he from he play uh, he, he also uh, sam uh, sam hey no he does his own solo stuff sam not sam harris that's a writer yeah um I can shit, see I can see you waiting for for me to help you out, but I have no. Idea. Yeah, no, I'm I'm waiting for myself to help myself out. Um, yeah, anyway, and, and so that to me is like the most acute, ridiculous case of, getting, of getting Perth I've yeah, ever heard that's of. Total, that, I, I that, challenge anyone to to beat that. That is the quintessential getting Perth. Yeah, I think um, that is weird. Um, how how long ago since the purchase of the hat? Like, was it? Did he just buy it, or, or did he have I, I the think, hat? For I think a long he's time? had it for a good year and a bit because okay. uh, I added him on Facebook. I saw him the next night, and like he, now I'm going to see him wherever I'm going to. I probably saw him wherever I went anyway. Mm-hmm. But now that I know who he is, and I'm going to be looking for the hat, I'm going to see him everywhere. But I was looking through <laughs> his, his old profile photos, and uh, going back like several months, there's him on stage the shit Narnia wearing a Charlotte Hornets cap. Yeah, okay. So wow. I don't know, and, and I mean I, I took a lot of hats there. So somewhere else, and my mum used to label all my clothing as well. Yeah. So there are several people sporting Matthew Tomich branded merchandise. That'll be an awesome documentary. <laughs> <laughs> no, like a like a half hour short. No, not even that. A fifteen minute yeah. bit of we're we're gonna trace yeah just the hats and just talk to yeah. the people that have the hats. Yeah, There's, it's not that interesting. Yet it is in a way. <laughs> <laughs> That's the selling point. Or better yet, maybe like maybe like. In 15 years' time, some several of these people find out they have the same hat, and the story is them trying to find me. Yes, and that I'm, would be amazing. That, and that and I'm doing amazing. whatever it is I'm doing then. Yeah, be it bagging groceries or <laughs> I'm sure I don't know. Or um, yeah, just being a celebrity on the private jet. Well, sure, like that. yeah, that's yeah. definitely the path I'm on. <laughs> with that sweet community radio cash. <laughs> were you a big like? Did you just have the hat because it was that sort of hat to buy, or were you actually a Hornets fan? Uh, I think they sent me every single team. I Okay. I don't remember. Well, this was like mid. This is like late Michael Jordan era. So as a, as a kid, you don't unless I mean yeah, unless you're from the city. And obviously, this is the NBA we're talking about. You just probably choose uh, your favorite, the, the most popular team, mm-hmm. or a team with an animal or mascot you like. Yeah, I don't think I had an opinion on the Charlotte Hornets either way. I think I was all about the Bulls. as yeah. everyone was. Every casual was at that time. Yeah. See, all through primary school, I had a Mighty Ducks cap. Hmm. And it was literally just because of the movie. Yeah, um, <laughs> I had I had no interest in actual ice hockey or or sports in general. Yeah. But um, I thought the I actually loved the color scheme of the Mighty Ducks cap, and I think it's very similar to the Hornets color scheme, right? I kind think it has, it has that kind of cyan thing. Yeah, yeah, but like a bluey. Yeah, like a, like a bluey. Little, yeah, yeah, a little ocean sort of blue thing. kind of deal. Yeah, yeah. And I remember, yeah, that that was just the 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 cut the the, uh, the color scheme of the hat was the thing that appealed to yeah. me. and the fact that there was like a duck with a mask on why why yeah. are the because the mighty ducks are a real team like they're from anaheim right that's they're a legit yeah they're team. a legit team why why yeah. them why why was the film made about them i have no idea 
I have no idea. Because that's, that's that's some pretty good branding. Because like yeah. n- no other hockey team has that kind of international appeal, to my knowledge. Yeah, like a, a fictitious story that uh, ends up hyping up the team for In, it, into like yeah. three films and several million dollars. Yeah, yeah. Like if if you ask if you ask people to name people who aren't ice hockey fans to name an ice hockey team, they're gonna say that. Yeah, I don't know any other fucking ice yeah. hockey teams. <laughs> I was gonna say they're not gonna name the Bruins, but I'm pretty sure the Bruins are an NFL team anyway. So that yeah, that just goes to prove my wrong. point. Yeah. Uh, the wrong people are talking about sports. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that's awesome. Uh, do you have any plans for Christmas? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. No. Are you a Christmassy person? Uh, not really. Yeah. Maybe I don't know. It'd be nice. Be nice to try and be one. Mm. Uh, I, I I like buying people shit. I'm pretty good at that. I think I'm pretty good at buying people gifts. But I'm also bad at doing it. Uh within a fixed time frame I'd rather just be like hey that's a great thing for that person I'm gonna do that yeah and so I end up like maybe looking like an arsehole as a net result because I just don't have shit in time like I still owe my mum a birthday present from a good couple a month three months ago sorry mum wow you actually keep tabs of presents that you haven't given no I just remembered not being a good person <laughs> I don't know being a shitty person <laughs> <laughs> no it's it's cool it's it's funny actually I, I was talking to someone else about this earlier today like I've I've so I was in Melbourne for six months and I was before that I was in Perth for three months before mm-hmm. that I was in New York for four months before that I was in Perth for a couple Little of years jet setter before that I was in the US for half a year so like I've spent the last five years like focusing on trying to get somewhere else mm-hmm. uh, be it America or Melbourne or whatever um, and now I've got like a proper full-time job that i really love it's like a total dream job i've been there a month but it's amazing and i'm getting like enough money to do what i want to do um and and like i uh uh, it's it's weird because now i'm actually ready to like stay here and not be aiming to go to place x well you yeah you can taper it down a notch you can be like all right let's just write this out and um yeah definitely i think um finances is it really determines that feeling yeah it was yeah. not even right it out it's not like i'm going to be in perth for two years like i'm going to be in perth for as long as this is good and i'm mm-hmm. enjoying it. and then maybe if something else around here is comes along then I'll, I'll pursue that but like I, I went i went to melbourne with i went to melbourne for a girl more or less and i went uh, i've also liked to try to try the big city uh and that didn't pan out the way i wanted like i had some job interviews and i kept freelancing and doing some stuff here and there but it didn't really eventuate to anything mm-hmm. and, and so like all that energy was going towards getting there but i didn't really have a plan for like what to do once I'm there yeah and then the girl I was seeing was like I said I don't want to be in Melbourne anymore so I'm going to go home so she broke up with me I was like oh what do I do mm. and then got this job and now I'm, I'm, I'm back here and like I'm not planning to leave it's a really weird way of uh, uh, structuring your life well, mm-hmm. the way I'd been doing it before like planning to get somewhere else but with yeah, no, yeah. no view to act doing what I was going to do once I actually got there yeah um, well that's yeah I mean I think it's all generally speaking it's 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 never linear i think um maybe all that stuff kind of had to happen for you to come yeah. back and then realize that yeah so. but it's funny i was actually missing perth which i hadn't done in the times i was previously away i was i was like gee i i really miss having that regular circle of friends um and i've, I've made like i've met so many fucking people since i started this job i'm meeting like mm. 10 new people a day and i remember like 10 percent of their names but they're all they're all great people and they're people i was aware of previously or just people i didn't know at all or people whose work i was aware of but didn't make the connection that you know the person was in that band mm-hmm. and it's it's so cool i'm like on i'm riding a high yeah that's amazing. amazing i feel good i feel i feel good because you feel good <laughs> see i'm feeding off I'm your glad, energy I'm glad it's infectious <laughs> no it's good i mean uh, you've you've always well i i don't think i've really known you for very long but you've always seemed like you had somewhat of a grasp of where you belong and i think uh, j- even just having that is is really advantageous like because uh, i certainly don't don't know what i'm doing but i'm um, like uh, i think 
you can really tell when, when someone's headed for good things, and I think you're definitely one of those people. So, uh, Thank you. I, I don't know <laughs> what I did to give you I know it impression. sounds like I'm just jerking you off. It's, it's not my intention. I mean, like, I appreciate yeah. that, though I have no idea how I would give off that impression because I've always felt the exact opposite. Yeah. But but now, like, having this is like my ego is like... <laughs> I've gone. I've gone from like a tiny, insecure little boy to a slightly yeah. larger. Speak to my assistant. Yeah. Slightly larger, insecure boy who can hide his insecurities. Yeah, yeah. Um, have Artsy? I got you on the on the mic yet? No, uh, yeah. but that will be happening soon. You'll be fucking awesome on the mic. I think. I I, I hope so. It's, it's funny actually. This this is an example of the ego skyrocketing and the narcissism. I was I was. <laughs> I, uh, our last chat at six months ago, I couldn't bear to listen to that because I hate the sound of my own voice. Same and, here. Yeah. And I, whenever I transcribe an interview that I've done, I really hate just hearing my own questions because I'll either I'll like know a better way of phrasing that question and I'll realize it after the fact, or I'll just like hear me mumbling my words, or I'll say something silly. I'll be like, oh, and it's yeah. a really agonizing process. Mm-hmm. Um, but like maybe it's just this beautiful microphone of yours that I hope I'm not popping. No, no um, it's got the pop filter in it. Yeah. Uh, but like I was like, oh, my voice actually is kind of all right mm. sometimes in certain contexts. It's definitely the environment and how you feel. That's yeah. like ninety percent of what determines uh, your impression of how you sound. Yeah. Um. So it's taken. It's seriously taken me forty, fifty episodes to even talk like this. Yeah. Like I, I listened ten episodes ago and I cringe. Yeah. Um. Because. You have to reach a point to where you don't feel like there's a microphone there, and that's like the most cliche thing to say. Yeah, but there is no spoon. But um, <laughs> it w- once yeah, once you feel like it's gone and you're just connecting with another human being, um, then it just flows naturally, and and people can hear that when 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 it does feel natural. Yeah, think, you can yeah. find that space between like the the artifice of a conversation that is for someone outside of the room, mm-hmm. but also being able to hold a, a a normal conversation that's not too dissimilar from if you were just chatting with someone in any other environment yeah in, in any in any public space yeah like yeah. A, at a cafe or something exactly. so um but yeah i mean uh, i definitely cringe as well at my at my voice um but i think you eventually like if you push through that wall you will make peace with how you sound yeah you, you, <laughs> you, you just gotta almost learn to accept that that's how you sound and then i think you maybe start sounding better yes and then that's the weird thing is that once you accept it, it you naturally start getting better and, and, and start thinking about okay well how can I change this yeah whether it be in the tone of my delivery or the volume or whatever um, but yeah I don't really know what I'm talking about because <laughs> this is all I've done but I'm sure in radio they'll, they'll have you know proper formal training about dead air and how to enunciate things um, and the enunciate <laughs> that, that, is, <laughs> that, is the most, that is the most beautiful mispronunciation I've ever heard enunciate <laughs> sorry enunciate that's the art of announcing something yeah um but so there you go. In, in saying that word, I got it wrong. Precisely the irony. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, uh, RT, uh, they they do radio training courses mm. every couple of months. I want to say. Okay, cool. Um, and the staff member who runs those, Sarah Tout's, like really an amazing person, like so energetic and great and happy, and a really good teacher. Yeah, she's cool. Yeah. Um, and so I think I'll be doing that in January. It's like a six-week course thereabouts. Cool. Um, and is that like a rite of passage there? Like everyone has to be on the mics at at, at least one point. Uh, I don't know. I I know that there are other staff who were not. Pre- well, so most a lot of so like RTI has I think nine staff and about two hundred 
volunteers, and those volunteers include presenters as well as just like office volunteers and people who help out with all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, but I know like the the person who who I who preceded me in this position uh, hadn't done radio before, and then did the training and started presenting every once in a while. So yeah, I think uh, just I'm pretty sure everyone in that office has presented or at least done like like red sponsorship spots at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not looking forward to that, like like reading you know the the sponsorship things because mm-hmm. you like hear your voice regularly. Yeah, um, Peter Barr is so good. I love I love his ones. They're <laughs> they're just like so over the top, but in a way that's really endearing. Like, yeah, there's one he there's one he does about about reading. The new, uh, reading uh, it's about like digital newspapers and it's like he sounds like he's almost got that kind of wacky crusty the clown kind of quality to it <laughs> in every in every word he enunciates is brilliant every word he enunciates yeah yeah, yeah sorry excuse me <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm bad at reading, so I could I could never go off scripts. But do 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 you remember um, like in high school where in English lit or English where the teacher would pick a random person and you just have to read a block of text? Yeah, well, I remember. I, I think I did. I did English. I sucked so bad at that. <laughs> I did English lit, and um, <laughs> when we would do theatre um, for the like the entire, we would read the entire piece in class over the course of like, a week or so, and so someone would be Othello. Uh, or someone would be Macbeth mm-hmm. and someone would be the other characters and then some poor schmuck would be left playing like six other minor characters and yeah. alternating maybe putting on funny voices I, I, I didn't like doing that at all yeah. uh, but then that's that's again that's like that's more performative and public whereas this is more like we're in a, it's, it's other people are listening to it hopefully fingers crossed um, <laughs> yeah that four people will be listening to this. Yeah. <laughs> but it's but it's it's in a room and it's natural and you have control over the environment and you don't if you like fuck up there's no one there to laugh at you unless you laugh at me yeah. like I just laughed at you sorry about that <laughs> that's okay yeah um, I think uh, the only thing that would really screw me up if I if, if I were ever to do if I were to do radio would, would be the fact that it's live I think that's a very scary thing um, yeah, but I, I suppose not that I had the experience but I guess you adapt to that yeah you would you would definitely find um, a headspace and adapt to it I think I, I guess it's much like any performance um, whether it be musical or theatre or whatever, it's just you know when the red light's on, it's on, yeah. and there's no backing out, and then you kind of uh, will adapt to that eventually. And I guess that's part of the the fun. Like, I mean, uh, unless you had, I mean, I don't have the experience of doing like well, any radio for one beyond this. Mm, yeah. But like, if you've done podcasts and then you've done live radio, like you probably the experience is probably similar enough that you start to realize, oh, it's actually not that big a deal. There's mm. just a red light on, and, and you know, there's a little more at stake if I screw up and I can't edit it. But it's not that. It's not <laughs> the end of the world. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would hate for something to go wrong or, like, a, I press the wrong button and then, you know... I'm, I'm obviously thinking of the worst possible outcomes, yeah. but, yeah. Yeah, sure. but, I mean, it's, 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 on, it's constantly going. So, like, you just move on and then eventually it won't matter. Yeah, eventually yeah. Um, people will forget. Unless, unless like, someone calls in and is like, you bloody drongo. <laughs> There's there been are, silence for the last <laughs> half hour. What are you doing? <laughs> that would be the worst. There are... <laughs> There are regular there are regular people who call into RTR. There's there's one guy who I met the other day actually. He's like a classic and and didn't even know he I didn't even know he was real. Uh, his name's Joe from Midland. Because what happens is like during a show, uh, they'll be like, you know call in the studio to, to say hello or whatever or what what you're enjoying and uh, they'll give him a shout out. And so uh, you know the other day Will Bixler who does uh, I think he was doing full frequency at the time he was like oh, shout out to to Kathy from. 
Malvern Malvern that's, that's not even a suburb here Melville I'm clearly making this up um, Melvin. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's a suburb in Melbourne so now I just look like a schmuck uh, but yeah anyway this is this is guy Joe from Midland who regularly calls in and he just like came into the studio and he's been he's been popping by and like calling in for for decades and I, I manage the social media accounts so I posted this photo of him meeting uh, Sandy who presents out to lunch on Fridays and they never met before but they like communicated before because he calls in and I was like you know the meeting of two legends and there were like a bunch of people commented saying like oh my god I can't believe he's actually real it's, it's funny how like you know someone who's not, who, who just calls into the station becomes a character associated with the entire listening experience mm. I think people like project their own yeah. fantasy of, of, of that voice but people were commenting saying they thought it was an RTR in joke but it's actually a real yeah, movie. it was like a some sort of a conspiracy yeah, <laughs> between yeah. the RTR people to yeah. create this character. Yeah. <laughs> Did he have a very distinct character like on air as well? Uh, well, no, he he, 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 doesn't, he doesn't like speak on air. It's just they do a shout out. So like, okay. he'll call during a song, and then when the announcer is when the presenter is back announcing that song, be like shout outs to Joe from Midland. Okay. Um, but yeah, he's been he's, he was he just popped into the office and like had a thirty minute chat with uh, one of the volunteers. Yeah, he and is real. Yeah, he's he's a real life person. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be funny if everyone on staff just like just invented their own. invented like a name. Shout yeah. out to <laughs> Joey McGee from Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, I've only done like uh, about two interviews there, but um, I, I like the space and it's been repainted. Like, there's some new stuff that's happened there. Yeah, in in the well, like two weeks before I began, they. Well, because Planet used to be beneath, and that's now gone. So uh, it's been refurbished, and I think there's like a pop-up. I think it's a pop-up. It's always pop-ups for one, because that's yeah. that's apparently the thing now. Yeah. Nothing, nothing pop is up permanent. Bars, pop-up food. Um, I think right now it's like a pop-up dog accessory store mm-hmm. for a little bit, or maybe it's like a space, and there's like a dog accessory store, and then something else. Um, but yeah, so the entire like ben- like area below our office has been refurbished, and the stairs have been moved from one side or another. This is just this just happened like six weeks ago, so a fortnight before I began. Uh, yeah, and like there was like someone recarpeting the whole space before. It's a it's a constant flux. Mm, that's cool. This is fun. That's really cool. Um, do you have uh, any gigs coming up that you are stoked about? Did you catch Mono last night? Uh, I did for a bit. Uh, I it's, it's, I'm not used to full time work. Like the last time I worked full time, I got fired after seven days. Shit. Uh, what did you do? I was I was you working. Had sex with? <laughs> <laughs> no one. I was working at this place called oh, I forget the name now, but it was like a. You sit in an office and you transcribe court proceedings after they've happened. Okay. So, so like, some, like a, someone will go into the into the actual courtroom and and manage the recording and like make notes of how to spell unusual names and places. And then there'll be this office of like maybe I think like twelve of us. And it's a nas- I think it's a, it's a national company. Um, and you just listen to these recordings and like you'll have a foot pedal to go back and forth and you'll transcribe the entire thing according to these really specific. Uh, Guidelines for different types of legis- uh, different types of courtrooms, like you know, it's like a, a different one. Like for, fam- for for family law in Queensland, you went to evidence differently for uh, I don't know civil cases in Western Australia and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was I just did this. Tra- I did the training session. I was so bad at it. Mm-hmm. I despite being like a really fast typist, which is the most fucking boring work I've ever done. Um, and I completed the training, and then like afterwards, my boss like just tapped on this little folder on my desk, and I went into the break room and was like, "Not going to happen." Whoa! Uh, so that was okay. after like a week and a half but they they gave me like a little severance pay and i peaced out and i survived on that for a little bit and then like a month later i started volunteering at life is noise so in some small way maybe that's all a part of this this magical journey that's led me to where i am now to this this very room on this very day little tiny steps i mean yeah may uh that's good i think getting fired is good 
I think, um, well, no, I mean, it's not ideal, but I think there's something very liberating in when it happens, and you're mm. like, look, I'm prob- I'd rather I get fired than stick around and, and try and push shit uphill and, and not enjoy myself and all this, yeah, I think it's a good sign. I think um, I've been fired once before. I think it's very liberating. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I managed to, I managed to like, laugh it off and just view it as like a, a little rite of passage, like, oh, I've been yeah, fired. And it actually, really is how, how you look back at it. That's, that, that's what, that determines yeah. how it's going to affect you. And I, and I hated that job. And I was thinking of quitting anyway. So, like, yeah. I got extra money because they said nope to me rather than me saying nope to them. But so, was it just because you were, like, uh, not keeping up or, or it was the fact that you had a lot of mistakes? Oh, yeah. It's just, like, re- really... It's super specific ways of, like, you know, you have to enter three spaces, not two. And if you enter two, then you get points deducted from your overall accuracy score. And it's, like, shit. the most dry, boring shit. And, and I, I get I get why they have it, but mm-hmm. it's it just wasn't worth all the mental energy. Yeah. Um, and I just sucked at it and hated it. Yeah. Um, but I also got fired again about three months ago I started working like two days a week at this uh, this this guy in Melbourne who runs um, this thing called Pause Fest, which it, like kind of brands itself as a an Australian version of South by Southwest, it's like a creative technology festival, and there's business leaders. And I was there for uh, a day and a half uh, until he realised and I realised that I had no idea what the fuck I was doing because <laughs> he didn't really describe what the job was to me. And he yeah. kind of expected me to come in and like turn this. Uh, raw information that wasn't well organized and and wasn't well labeled into like something like a cohesive media plan or something i had no idea what i was doing Mm -hmm. uh so he shouldn't have hired me in the first place um but also should like describe what the job was and then after a day and a half he was like i think we have to let you go so i was like oh god yeah because man man, applying for jobs is work in and of itself i know that sounds like a a whiny millennial thing to say but it is well looking for a job is a job in itself yeah Yeah. and like you have to i mean especially in in industries like this like i mean obviously i you know we I choose to work in this industry, and, uh, but it's like to to make yourself stand out. It takes a lot of fucking effort. It does to, yeah. to do like all the research to like to to write the new cover letter every time, um, to tailor a resume every single time for this these really specific selection mm-hmm. criteria. It's it's and just and just being available in limbo. Yeah, like you're in def- Like you have to be at the drop of a hat. You have to be ready for an interview. You have to be ready to show up potentially at a place you don't even really want to be in. Yeah, and there's just a lot of questions in your head um and i i talk a lot about this but i I think the whole working world is very much geared towards extroverts and people that are loud confident and can sell themselves yeah and that is not and i think um introverts i'm not making excuses because obviously if you're skilled you're skilled if you're not you're not but i feel that a lot of introverts that aren't good at selling themselves um, don't get the attention that they might deserve um, because I, I, I'm certainly really bad at selling myself but that's because I'm 100% honest about my flaws Yeah, and that like y- y- you're supposed to put up this facade when you go in for an interview that you're the fucking shit right? Yeah, and, and uh, you know sometimes if you're really lucky you can just be yourself but more often than not you, you do have to play a character when you go in for an interview you have to sell to them that you're good enough for the company and, and I think um, if, if you're naturally introverted but skilled, you're you're still not going to get noticed. I don't I don't think. Yeah, and yeah. That's just one of the sh- yeah the shameful things. Yeah. It's it's a performance, and like I, mm-hmm. I, I get like I, I don't know what the best way is to hire someone, but I, I every now and again I'll see an article about how like you know the human resources practices that people usually use are actually wrong and don't mm-hmm. really. Uh, lead you to hiring better candidates or anything like that and yeah. i mean I don't, I don't know if there's a solution other than like i don't know just put effort in and don't be don't be a dipshit but yeah. uh yeah it's 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 a lot of work it is a lot of work yeah and um 
you can see, like, I, I'm, we all know people that are very confident that seem to get what they want all the time and people that are highly skilled that just can't, cannot find a fucking job. Um, uh, or, or I guess you could go into, you know, other issues like overqualification, over things like that. But, um, yeah, I, I, I can only really deal with things if I'm driving it. Yeah. So it's like if I were to go on radio, I don't think I would last. If I were to go on, you know... I. I can only really do things if I'm behind it and I believe in it. Yeah. So I've never been... I, I talked about this before on the last podcast. I've never been a good salesman. <laughs> I've never been good at retail. Um, one, th- one of my strengths is definitely uh, customer service. Like, I'm good at uh, empathizing and talking to someone and, and, you know, getting on their level and working things out. So I was pretty good at, like, um, troubleshooting technical stuff like that. But um, when it came to selling stuff where you've got to put on this face and, like, sell the product, I could never do it. Because yeah. I just never believed in what I was, I was selling. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, and, and some companies were even open about the fact that what they were selling was absolute bullshit, but mm. we just had to put up a face to, to sell the product, to, to get profit for the company. And it was just like, I can't... I'm really allergic to lying and, and yeah. not being honest. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really bad, and I just feel, I just feel bad doing it. But mm. yeah, it's, it's acting, it's performance, and it doesn't, not suited anyone, not suited to everyone. Mm. Um, You're I mean, kind of like almost tricking people in yeah, a way, in yeah. a weird way. Yeah. I um, and when I got the RTR job, I, I was still in Melbourne, so I interviewed via Skype, uh, and it's the first time I've done like a video Skype interview. It's, it's, it's so funny. The two jobs that are like the two proper music industry full time jobs, the one that I got and another one that I came really close to getting, uh, were done. By Skype interviews because back in April I almost got a job uh, as the publicist of Thrill Jockey in Chicago because I saw that so that's the label that uh, they do who they do now Tortoise Liturgy Oozing Wound I think Tortoise is like their biggest act Uh, fuck a a really amazing it's this independent label that's been in Chicago for like 20 I want to say 25 years and a really amazing collection of artists really interesting artists from all kinds of um, backgrounds and, and in all kinds of genres and I saw they did this thing on Facebook a Facebook call out uh, and I just thought oh you know I, I don't you know even though I was planning to go to Melbourne to, to move there with this girl I was like oh I don't you know why not I mean at least it, you know just see what happens and um, Dave Cutbush at Life is Noise who I worked for for a couple of years uh, knew or knows uh, Bettina Richards who's the, the head and I think the founder of that label and so I just you know applied and then she kind of sent him a message saying like uh, you know I, what can you tell me about this guy like it's, it's a long shot but I kind of like his moxie and I put like a shitload of effort into this application that's why I didn't get a job because I put way too much effort into the long shots because I just like write it for RTR I think I wrote like a 2700 page sorry <laughs> that is a huge I wrote, I wrote Ulysses for that thing I wrote a I wrote a 2700 word cover letter um, okay addressing all the selection criteria and it's like it's like four or five pages right? yeah, yeah. I, I, I go all out um uh, anyway so I, I did something similar for this thrill jockey thing and um yeah, I, I interviewed via Skype with Skype with this with the dude whose job who was vacating the position with the the publicist and mm-hmm. um, like he just presented like three or four like little scenarios and I did did some prep and I, I kind of didn't want it because it would mean I'd have to like how would I you know my whole plan was to move to Melbourne with this girl and, and that was like what all my energy had been been devoted towards so what would I do and I'd like agreed to move into this place and everything um, and so I did this interview 
it went really well and i was really confident with it but like i felt bad about being so good at it because it would mean that i would have to like fuck up these plans for these other people which i didn't want to do Mm. um and i'm like historically a people pleaser like i really hate inconveniencing people be it like in a small way by standing in the wrong position in a queue or in a large way by like fucking up someone's life plans because i was being selfish or something like that (laughs) um and that's a good quality to have don't worry about it here i mean it is to an extent but it it can turn you into a pushover and it Mm. it has done that for me at some point i've definitely yeah i've i've definitely done it to my own detriment i've I've failed i'm not good at advocating for myself and i'm Mm. i mean better at it since like this this job that i've had now for a month has like totally changed my psychology and my approach to things and my Mm. ego so i'm way better at it now but before but it's like it's a it's work for me to to do that Mm. um so yeah, I, I did this. I did this one interview and it went really well. And I did a second interview uh, and it was like more specific uh, scenarios and, and questions. And I, I spoke to the founder herself as well as this other dude. I forget what his position was. Um, but I, I kind of almost deliberately shot myself in the foot by saying that I couldn't be there if, if they if they gave me the job. I couldn't be there in four weeks. I could be there in eight weeks. And I had a feeling that that would mean they would say no because then if they said no to me, I wouldn't have to like. If they said no to me, that'd be the best scenario because it'd be like, I got the professional validation of like almost getting this amazing job in Chicago with this record label that I love mm-hmm. um, from Australia. And then, uh, but then I'd be able to stay with my plans and, and, and move to Melbourne with my girlfriend. Because if then if I, if like I got it and I had to break up with her, that'd be really shit. I mean, it'd be, it'd be good to get the job, but the other part would be shit. Or like if I, if they offered it to me, but I said no, it'd be like, oh God, what if I like live with regret for that for the rest of my life? Yeah. Um, uh, and so like I yeah I kind of shot myself in the foot and it went to this other dude I, I found out over Facebook I was like looking at uh, on just like stro- scrolling through the, the side feed where it shows you like you know Billy liked Bob's post mm-hmm. and you don't know who Bob is but you know Billy and uh Alex Griffin, who who is a, a writer and, and plays in mining tax, uh, likes liked this guy's post and like his name on Facebook was like Crawf-ish, and his his actual name is Crawford something. And it was and I just clicked on it randomly because I thought, oh, that's a strange name, Crawf-ish. Wonder what that guy's like. And it was him. It was like this long Facebook post he'd made about how he just got the thrill jockey job. Mm-hmm. So and that, that's like a pretty weird happenstance that I found out that way just by chance that someone I know I don't know if we've met Alex Griffin, mm-hmm. but like I've spoken to him. That I, I'm friends with him on Facebook, and then he is friends with this guy from I think the guy's from Denver was living in Denver at the time and I just click on that post at like 2am and see that he's announcing that he just got the job that I just went for mm-hmm. um, you know what that is that is the universe <laughs> get that get that secret shit out oh, is, is that ladder falling over just in that ting that is that the universe too is the universe is that as well you, is that just you pulling on this desk a little too much everything's the universe but no it's funny how things happen that way it's like you you did not intend or expect that but it, it led you there in a way i guess i'm thinking about it too much but yeah it is a funny way to find out it, it definitely it. is a yeah. case like the if, if you th- there is an argument for like the if you want something so much you pull your eggs in one basket that it can actually be to your detriment mm. um definitely and and that sometimes you try so hard and you put so much energy that you end up Pushing it away in some weird way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. and and that, that I guess that can apply to people, to relationships, to oh, friendships, time, and family, yeah. to to jobs, to any kind of project. Like, and but but then the flip side is that like you know people who who reach these these heights in these really competitive industries, be they creative or athletic, are people who are generally obsessed and like who who are all about that one pursuit or that one goal. Mm-hmm. So it, I guess I, I don't know. There are, there must be some other factor, be it like a personal quality and an X factor. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the 
yeah, with this RTR thing, it's like I really wanted it, and I was definitely in one way like I, putting all my mental eggs in that basket because because you know suddenly I you know the person I moved to Melbourne for said she was she was going to leave me, and I was like oh fuck what do I do? And I didn't have any any anything really going for me. If that hadn't happened, I'd I'd probably still be there. I'd just be bumming around doing nothing of value. Yeah. and it's very easy to uh, dig yourself into that hole of of being really of just coasting. Yeah, and, and I've definitely done that for years where um you decide that things are a certain way um whether it be unconscious or conscious and then you start living that and then you kind of just become stagnant Mm. and you kind of just bog yourself down with stuff that isn't necessarily true or stuff that uh shouldn't be affecting you and then what you want out of life um yeah and and there's one perfect example so um it's weird like uh all all the negative things are really just stepping stones to finding other things out and, and and you know getting ahead whether things that appear to be pushing you back are actually propelling you forward and i think you, you need that foresight to to be able to distinguish i guess because um sometimes you get signs that you know you shouldn't be somewhere as well yeah and i was mm. i was at this point where like i was really close to giving up on music stuff altogether mm. um that would have uh, been fucking tragic if that <laughs> i i was yeah. i was close to like i was just feeling really bad and i was close to severing some tires and just thinking like you know what this this isn't worth the the emotional energy uh or or the time maybe i should try something that's you know maybe maybe this should be my my side pursuit or maybe i should try Mm. something else for a while yeah and especially Um, financially yeah because it's so easy to well i wouldn't say it's easy but uh, i'm sure it's a thought that has popped into all of our heads in this industry like maybe i'm better off just dropping this and, and finding something else yeah, completely like, different go learn a trade or, or yeah, exactly. you know, go to business school or yeah a lot of my like friends that. yeah uh, a couple of my friends are, yeah that they, they kind of go back to to uh, manual labor or, or building houses or some people go straight back into uni and get a law degree or whatever and then try and get work that way and and like that's totally understandable like there's nothing totally wrong with that understandable, because so much yeah. of this is luck mm, and, and timing yeah I, i'm more surprised that people stay in this industry than i am yeah. by people leaving yeah yeah, it's, um, a, it's. I totally understand if people want to go off and do something else. And I've, 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 I've dwelled on the idea, but I've never made the steps to, to do it. Yeah, it's, I think something's pulling me back. Somehow. It's, it's a, it's a <laughs> weird, ridiculous world. I've, I've been. There's a, there's this punk band from Seattle called Police Teeth, and they have this song called Rock and Roll is a Pyramid Scheme. Yeah, and like I've just had that phrase. No, I mean, not like I've learned information that tells me that it's worse than it was in the last <laughs> month or anything, but I've just kind of had that phrase rolling around in my that's head. For the last few weeks, powerful friends. Yeah. Oh, that's gonna fuck with me tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is it, oh, geez. Well, when, when you when you look at that phrase, what do you do? You visualize. What I think you, I think it's visualize? just it's a cool song with a good hook, and then it yeah. has a nice title. Uh, I don't I don't so know. So you're not reading into it like I am. <laughs> I, I, I I guess uh, I mean there is that, but I guess like you just I mean I, I know like every industry you know is is full of this uh, uh, at every you know be it like an industry a small industry like this where where people are in it for the passion for mm-hmm. the most part but then often that passion is exploited all the way up to uh huge money industries where people are in it purely for the dollar mm. um that you know that there are assholes in every corner of every world yeah um but like yeah I, I guess maybe like it cuts a little deeper in this world because mm. you you like to think like hang on you know we're, we're doing something cool here we're making art we are where we're a part of this community we support each other um because especially in perth like most people realize it then don't have much of a chance of like making it however you define that mm-hmm. um 
that you that you do it as as a thing that you love mm. sometimes you know on the side by necessity well sometimes sometimes that you make it your full-time thing and, and mm. you, you manage to somehow scrape by and make it work um but yeah i, I guess when you hear of the horror stories of, of like uh, uh people screwing people over or, or money being unpaid or just someone hurting someone that that makes it uh it, it cuts that much deeper because you like to think that everyone's on your side yeah yeah for sure um Especially when the commodity or, or the the thing that's being traded is creativity in itself or, or art. Um, I think that that's definitely going to be why it cuts a little deeper. Because people are really pouring their heart and soul into something that they're not really getting anything tangible back in the way of finances or, or and stuff like that. So when you see shitty behavior in this industry, it, it just hurts a little more because people are already putting their nuts on the line and sacrificing their time and their emotions um, to put something out create uh, like creatively and and they're still being shat on or exploited or whether it be signing a bad deal or, or, or things like that you just hear so many stories of people getting fucked over yeah and and like with all due respect like a lot of bands have no fucking idea <laughs> they, they, don't, yeah. they don't know and, and like i mean how do they have a way of, of finding that out yeah well like, what reference point do you there, there's no school for this shit you know yeah <laughs> i mean they, well there, there isn't a way about telling you about the formalities of this and that but there's no there's no training for how to keep your head screwed on in this industry yeah you just have to risk everything and 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 how to how to not get screwed over Mm. um but like yeah also it's just it's there's a lot of work to do to being in a band and often it's it's hard to see that it's worth it like just beyond just like playing music and playing shows. i mean if you want to just do that that's fine but like if you want to try and Mm, I don't want to say maximize. That's too much of an economic term. But if you want to maximize your potential, if you want to, if you, oh yeah, if you want to, um, to to really make the most of, of your appeal and your and you want to turn your art into something that you can really focus on, uh, focus more time and energy on. It's like you know the work of like getting a music out to people, um, uh, uh, getting a publicist or like making all those decisions. It's it's a lot of it's a lot of work. And a lot of bands just just don't know. Like I, I was I was always surprised when I was working at Life Is Noise that so many amazing. L- local bands not not perth local but like australian local mm-hmm. from from around the country would uh release a new album and just not send it to to me or, or to dave or anyone else at life is noise like not just let them know like hey we've got this record coming out uh here's here's a stream you know and these are bands who've like supported life is noise shows all the time mm-hmm. and who put out amazing records but they it just doesn't occur to them i don't i don't know what it is it just seems yeah. like too much work yeah i think um I think naturally a lot of people in bands just would rather not have to think about handling that stuff. Yeah. And I think that's a very... I mean, I can see why, but it, it is very idealistic that um, bands assume that they can get away with not pushing their shit as far as they can in the way of letting people know. Um, and I can see why, because it's fucking boring. Yeah. Like, to sit there, like, after a jam or, or a recording or whatever, and to sit there and have to do basically admin work. Yeah. Like, uh, we've got to send this out to 200 people, we've got to do a press release, we've got to... I mean, it, it is work that, understandably, um, a lot of bands probably won't be that into doing. <laughs> yeah. But it is it, it is a shame, because that, that can determine this, the success of the band. Yeah, but, like, I mean, admin is everything, you know? Where, whether is. Whether you're working in accounting or or business or logistics shipping I don't know yeah. uh, there is that kind of drudgery in everything you do like at, at, at a 
I'm sure this is the case that life is noise too, though I wasn't privy to those to mm-hmm. those arrangements. But like at, at RTR, it's like it's a shitload of spreadsheets. Yeah, it, you know, it's 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 a lot of like entering numbers and 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 names and stuff into fields and yeah. and crossing data. yeah yeah crossing every T and dotting every I uh, and yeah. like I, I see that how that's not appealing, how that's not cool. You want to be a rock star, you just want to play guitar and sing mm-hmm. songs yeah. and, and reap all the benefits. But yeah. before you get anywhere remotely close to that level, you got to fill in some spreadsheets. Yeah, you got to mm-hmm. put some borders around some cells. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you got to color in some backgrounds yeah. with a little paint bucket. Right? Yeah, you got to co- get on that color coding shit, man. It <laughs> makes a world of difference. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, yeah, it's it's um, it's something that's definitely advantageous uh, to have as a band is is at least one person in the band just handle the payments, the invoices, the the, the publicity. Uh, you know, at least try and get it out there. Um, to uh, to press and and just to, to be on people's radar, I think even if you're just calling someone that you kind of know and being like, look, we're, we're releasing a video or a new EP or whatever. It's amazing how many bands um, just completely ignore that, yeah, and then wonder why like things aren't happening. And it's like, like, well, no, I, you released this and you didn't fucking tell me. Yeah, I didn't know about it. Speaking of which, so, why didn't you email me when Fate released like a new video clip? <laughs> Oh my god! Get your shit together. <laughs> Get your shit together. But um, um, but it's interesting you mention that because you think of like <laughs> like the 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 DIY demigods. You think of of uh, like Black Flag and and Minor Threat and Fugazi and those bands mm-hmm. who did things completely on their own terms and were not necessarily about commercial motivation, but managed to be sustainable and commercially successful. Um, they all, they all did that. Like I think I think in in Fugazi, like everyone had an admin role. Like they they called all the venue owners uh, uh, and the distributors and they and they arranged with the record pressing plant to get their albums made and they hand folded all the sleeves mm-hmm. um, and they would have parties like where they'd invite people over and, and like fill in all the put in all the album artwork into, yeah. the, into the LPs and stuff mm-hmm. um, and so like if it, th- th- that's why they got to the level that they are and, and people hold them to such high regard but the truth is like they work their fucking asses mm-hmm. off yeah. not just not just with making the mm-hmm. music but with everything else and they did it all on their own terms so you, you kind of if you want to do stuff on your own terms and have that control um which is like the artistic ideal if you if you if you want to play songs and not deal with the bullshit you have to take care of it so someone else doesn't make it your bullshit Mm. yeah exactly because it's it really is a two-way process because not only are you creating art blah 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 but it has to be accessible and readily accessible by your consumers of that on the other end i mean so if you're not maximizing wow there's that word again um (laughs) Marketing 101. <laughs> uh, if, if you're not, like, putting yourself in positions where you can be easily heard, um, then you're probably doing your band a disservice. Because I, I, there's a lot of EPs that I run into that I'm like, well, when did this come out? Like, when? <laughs> you know. But, yeah, once again, it's hard. Because, I guess... It's hard to see the payoff when you're in that 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 yeah. that tornado. When you're in that band, you know you've been jamming all day, blah blah blah. It's hard to psych yourself up to to um, to push that whole other side of the band. I, I wouldn't say like you have to make it accessible, and we're talking not like aesthetically accessible, but like you know here's here's a link, here's here's the album. But hmm. well, um, it has to be found somewhere. Yeah, but I like, think. but I mean, I, I think if if you want to just play shows and put up a couple of tracks and that's it, that's cool. Mm-hmm. But if you're bothering to be a somewhat serious band who goes to the extent of going on tours and if you're going to invest more than just your time and energy but going to invest money to to paying for for gear for flights for all that for for advertising for all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. then then like 
do the other stuff that that doesn't cost you money but cost you time like yeah. like email those millions of people like call your friends build those networks and yeah. and, and make use of them mm-hmm. yeah definitely um yeah, like I said, it, even if it's just being on people's radar, I think that like so much stuff falls under the radar. But that's kind of cool because it's hard to say. There, there's no real rules in this industry because like like some people can get away with uh, blowing people away by playing one show and then they get interest that way. And it's like what? Like um, case in point, it's kind of. I mean, you guys kind of just popped up on the radar really suddenly as fate and yeah and, and it, a lot of people paid attention yeah and it wasn't even thought out as as that was the result we were going for yeah it was, it was like it was just like it was there was really fucking good music and i guess it was there was it was good timing yeah yeah thanks dude <laughs> i think you were you were there at our very first show or the, at least the second show i think i think i was i don't think I don't think I was in town for the first one, maybe not the second one. I was there for the third one, which I think was the third one, which was with Child Saint and... Uh, Rachel Dees? Yes, yeah. which is a fucking amazing lineup. Yeah, yeah. Um, At the Bird, that was like At maybe... At the Bird, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, th- yeah, that was before I left for America. That was like October, two, that was like hmm, September, October 2014. Yeah, cool. Does that sound right? Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> My memory's really bad. I, it's, <laughs> when I, I, I used to play... It, I used to. I just love the idea of like documenting this stuff and archiving this stuff, which is kind of like what I was talking about before with mm-hmm. that guy at RTI, Ross Chisholm. I um, when I, I played in this little noise rock band called Bad Houses from two thousand and nine to early two thousand, no, like mid two thousand thirteen. We, we did fuck up. We played like ten shows. None none of us play music anymore. Um, uh, but like. I, I was really interested in just making sure I had a, a reference for what happened. And so, like, for every single show we did, I um, I created a little Word document. This is, like, me being an admin nerd well before I was, like, doing any of this work. Yeah. I, I created this little Word document, and I was like, okay, uh, you know, date, time, here's, here's, uh, here's the venue, here's who we played with, here's, like, the order of the bands playing, and here's our set list. Yeah. And I just think that's really cool. I, I think I think I, I like the idea of, like, just a, pres- like a, a document of every single song a band's ever played. Mm-hmm. I, I think I remember it's... I don't know if they still do this but like supposedly at some point radiohead had never repeated a set list i think that's so fucking cool to to play a different show a different set of songs mm. every single time or at least a different order yeah and so like if i ever want to want to go back i have like oh fuck I, I was just talking before about how my computers died i hope i still have those recordings somewhere else but like i have like 10 maybe 100 hours worth of like jam recordings from this band and, and yeah. just just like from when we were in a in a jam space somewhere uh and we just had like this little zoom h4n yep. pointed somewhere around us and everything like the mix sounds horrible and like drums are overpowering everything else but just i, I have a record of that and mm. i i have like 10 different takes of uh this song from this one day yeah and i have a, a word document that says every song we ever played i think that's even for like you're in your own tiny little band that never goes somewhere i think that's kind of cool and important to have that you, if that's yeah. what you value it's almost like a like a little scrapbook of, of just yeah. memories and but but obviously it's with with music so yeah yeah i used to have a um a guy called sebastian one of my good friends who was uh, in husband as well what's his um, last name sebastian kane that's that's a fucking good name that's a really cool i name. don't know this guy but i want to know this guy check out his son's name jackson kane <laughs> oh my god that is like the, this, the biggest hollywood these, these guys bond villains or something <laughs> dude he, yeah he's gonna grow up to be famous i reckon but um he um sebastian used to like when we used to jam um he used to have this old uh, tape deck and he would just hit record like remember those old stereos that you hit play and record at the same time and they would record on the, onto the tape I, I think it, like when I was four I would do those things and yeah. I would just like record myself saying poop yeah, and, and shit and fuck and, shit. Yeah. And, and, then, and then play it back <laughs> and even back then I didn't like my own voice yeah <laughs> um, and and it, it just had a weird charm to it 
like um listening back and it'd be really weird because um you'd think that things would get lost on the cassette tape because um the fact that you have to forward and rewind and find a spot on the tape where you recorded that idea he was just really clued into it like he was able to find ideas just on this old cassette tape and it was weird because um like those stereos used to just have one ambient mic like inside the, the stereo like there was no actual microphone it was just like a I don't know, like a little hole. Or so something. it wasn't like pointed. You couldn't, you couldn't aim yeah. it. You just put it in the middle of the room and you hope for the best. Put it in the middle of the room, hit play and record, and then um, it had a really cool texture to it. I think tape has a really nice sounding compression to it, like mm. a natural sort of compression to it. Um, and everything would sound brilliant on this tape. And uh, when when we actually transitioned to proper mics and a proper four track, we were like, oh, it's missing something. It's like we actually liked that old shitty tape sound yeah. for some reason. Um, but it was just a really interesting way because we'd have these like dozens of tapes of just ideas that never went anywhere some of them were turned into real songs but it's just it's it'll be a trip i reckon if if we went back and listened to all that stuff yeah for and, sure and just heard um how un- almost like uh how uninhibited you were like you know when you're like a teen and you write really bad poetry yeah <laughs> and then there's something or an adult and you still do yeah exactly um you know like you cringe but at the same time you appreciate some of the um I guess the how, how naive you were and, and how just um, uninhibited some of the ideas are. You know, they're, they're not kind of filtered through, oh, what's cool and what's not cool. It's just yeah. like, these are my ideas, you know. And, and I think at, at some level, talking about that, like cringing on your past self thing, you, mm. I, I, I used to do that a whole bunch, like every six months, and I still do it a little bit, but I think as you get older, you kind of accept like, okay, that's how I was then, and it's different to how I am now, but mm. I don't have to feel that bad about it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and obviously, and ideally, you know, hopefully you're, you're becoming a better version of yourself all the time, and so yeah. you're, you're cringing less at yourself a year ago than you were the year before because the, you've, you've made significant progress or something but mm. I think you just eventually give yourself permission to you, to, to like, make mistakes and, yeah yeah and, and, yeah and to feel okay about how you used to be and the fact mm. that you're different now hopefully mm. yeah well like this podcast is one example like I said before like I'll, I'll listen to stuff even just three episodes ago and go I don't think that anymore yeah like I, I what I said was completely wrong um, but I guess that's a good there's that old quote from a comedian I can't remember which one but it's like if it's if you if you if you look back at your past self and you do cringe, at least you know that you, you you're coming from you're making progress in, yeah. in, in a weird way. Um, if if you think that, because I, I change my opinion every two hours about yeah. stuff. But I think it's it, there's a healthy level of doubt. Yeah, I, th- I think people don't assess what they're saying. Yeah, I like mean, they don't objectively look, and obviously it's hard. But you know. Um, yeah, to, to, to be to actually say I don't know I don't really have an opinion on X or Y. Like I don't really know enough. I think that's not not enough people do that nowadays. Yeah, it's, it, yeah. It, it can be it, it can be healthy. It can be so bad that you're second guessing yourself so much that you don't get anything done, or like you yeah. you you shoot you sell yourself short or something. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there, I think it's it's vital to 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 being a, an intelligent human being to just be like asking us actually you know is that right am i doing the right thing mm, should i yeah should i do that differently is that what i really think yeah or, or or can i do this better yeah can i express this a little bit better next time um i think that's yeah definitely um just going back to the idea of just like preserving stuff uh yeah like i i have a recording oh yeah it's interesting how this 
will work, how, how this will look in 10 years' time versus now looking back 10 years before and then in 2005 looking back to 1905 because we, because everything is, is because we have so much shit in our Facebooks. We have photos from, from yeah. so long ago and like, yeah. you know, you, you look through someone's Facebook and you see back in 2008 how they used to look and how in 2008 you had to like, either someone uploaded old MySpace photos or you had to... Uh, MySpace. <laughs> or, you, or you like, you had to go to their house and look at their photo album or something to see that. Like, I wonder if, if that at some level that archival aspect will start to not feel as special because we have we have recorded so much mm. but like it's for me it's, it's so cool like the my bad houses we played a show at 208 in 2000 halloween 2010 and we all dressed up as u.s presidents and we all had masks and the silly suits and there are like photos from that and, we, and it was i mean we played it was a pretty shitty show but um but we it was like our third show as well and we were never that good a live band but we had like i, I have a, a recording of it because we'll will hooper who was playing in wind waker and maybe still plays in Bermodi. he he the wind waker were launching a, a, a split there and um he just would record all these shows on uh, on his little H4N. I think he put one up on a blog called Real Music, like R E E L M U Z. That rings a bell. A K. Yeah. Uh, and he, so he has like recordings of all these other shows. And again, this is like the archival thing. It's it's cool to have these resources. But it's it's every now and again, like if I if I'm feeling like I'm not going to cringe at myself too hard, I'll go back and uh, listen to that lo-fi recording of that set and like listen to this one song we did that was pretty fucking cool mm. much better than the rest and, i mean uh, it's yeah i know uh, <laughs> i know i always focus on like the negatives but there, there are some times when you look back at an, an old idea and go that's actually wow like you, you you look at it with new eye like with a whole yeah. new perspective um and it doesn't even have to be that long ago i think i might do it tonight actually because i've got heaps of old recordings and, and jams and stuff be it like my own little things where i just have my i just like be dicking around in my guitar and find something cool mm-hmm. or uh, uh jams as a band but I, i've been i haven't played music i haven't played a show in fucking i don't know three years almost and mm-hmm. i don't I, don't, I, I mean i don't drive for some stupid reason so i like it's, it's hard to, to do that kind of thing but um would you ever play consider playing again? yeah i mean yeah. I'm, I'm getting the itch again lately mm. I, my, my, my hope was like you know when i got to melbourne i'd, I'd get a sweet job and be soaking up the cash mm. not really um and but like and you know just just buy an, uh, a decent acoustic guitar because i only the only acoustic guitar i ever had was my shitty little nylon string acoustic guitar that i bought in i want to say 2004 mm-hmm. um but just just to like bang out some ideas and and have something to work with i'm, I'm definitely getting the itch to to give that a go again yeah and, I, and like i know enough people now who are interested in who who just be keen to like just jam or dick around that uh can make something happen but yeah I, I, might, I might revisit some of those things and just see if i find any cool little gems or mm. sections or riffs or whatever you might be pleasantly surprised yeah maybe you might know. you might um and also you know in in the future with uh with potentially playing music you might be like wow this is not how i remembered it and this is amazing yeah and um have a whole new outlook on it yeah maybe i can find a turd that with a little polishing can look like a diamond <laughs> i'm sure it won't be that bad <laughs> what sort of what sort of stuff would you play surf rock <laughs> wait as in like did we play or would i play in the would future you play now if you could uh what have i been listening to i've been listening to uh I never know if it's pronounced unwound or unwound, but mm-hmm. there, there were this, um, and they've been on my list for it. You know, how you have like that list of bands you hear about and mm-hmm. you know to check out, and you know that like they influence these bands and your friends like them. And uh, they were on my list for ages, and I, uh, I started listening to some of their records, and it's like this really weird, jaunty post-punk thing. They were, they were from Virginia, I think, and they were around like nineteen ninety-one to two thousand and one. Mm-hmm. Um, just like that, just that kind of like kind of borderline hardcore stuff but like really nuanced weird odd Mm post-punk i'd be interested in that but then like the 
when, when I started the band, I was in Bad Houses. I thought we were going to be like, you know, noise rock plus space rock. And what we ended up, the, the one t- the one song we had that kind of fit that bill wasn't very good. So what we ended up doing was like quite different. Um, but I'm always about like, I, I really like kind of jaunty, dissonant guitars. Mm-hmm. But then I also like other weird shit. Did you ever like the Wednesday Society? When I fucking love the Wednesday. I was yeah, going to say. They're, they're when, my favorite. The, yeah. Wednesday Society and Mile End are my two favorite pairs of yeah. bands. I, I only said Mile End before because I got the chance to see Wednesday Society again when they did the bakery show, cool. which was amazing. They are um, that the Pedant, which is the second song on their album. They are that is the most that is like one of my, probably my favorite like five yeah. minutes from a Perth band. Brendan's amazing. Eh? That yeah, that yeah. and My Lens Rumblefish are like my two favorite Perth songs ever. That they were such an amazing band. I I I heard. I remember they played it like the first in the Pines I went to, maybe two thousand and ten or eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't stay for them because they were on quite late. Yeah, and I didn't know. I, I wasn't. I was only just getting to that kind of music at that time. I didn't know how amazing they were and for some reason I remember having in my mind like I'd heard their name and I thought they were like a kind of pop punk band and I think they maybe started off a little bit in that vein and then took this mm. amazing turn yeah. but that Anxiety and Neurotic Disorders is a fucking amazing record yeah. it's yeah. like all bangers were you ever a Snowman fan by any chance? Uh, a little bit but I think, like, I think I was a bit young for that I remember seeing them at Yak It Up in like 2005 mm. and taking a note of the fact that I think an Olga was that her name the, yeah, the Olga, Norwegian the bass. bassist yeah, yeah. how she was shoeless and that yeah. was her thing yep yep um, I saw him uh, support Interpol at Metro Frio. Right, And okay. uh, that was my first proper... Well, I, I had seen them before, but in that light, on that stage, was something else. Yeah, it was really yeah, cool. Yeah, they... Um D- Damien this guy named oh, I don't know his last name Damien Coward on Facebook he, he runs this label in Melbourne called Trait Records who put out some really cool stuff and like I think the second release they did just recently was uh, a reissue of Snowman's final LP nice. and um, he sent me this thing that Joe McKee was, he was the front man right mm-hmm. or was nah. he the he was, Joe McKee is his name. I think was he the guitarist. This is, he was the guitarist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this this little like beautiful little missive that he'd written about about um, their time in London and how like they they went with these big aspirations and then it kind of just fell apart in a really beautiful but unfortunate way. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I may have seen them at HQ once as well, but that was uh, I think by the time they left Perth, I was only just eighteen, so I didn't really. Yeah. So that was like I caught the very tail end of that. Yeah, I keep forgetting how young you are. <laughs> well, no, you're not how young, that young, young, but. Well, you're, you're 29, right? I'm 29, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm 25. So it's not, I mean, but, but then that kind of goes to show you, like, how big a difference that makes to your musical. Yeah. Because, because like, how, how short these little scenes and bursts of... Exactly. I mean, that, that's four years of going to a gig a week, you know? Yeah. And that's that's uh, that's one, probably one generation of, of bands yeah. that come and go within four years. Because yeah. it's such a... The turnover is just insane. You look at, like, if, if you... I mean, I know I, I, I'm, like, probably obliged to say this because I work at RTR, but, like, if you look at <laughs> In the Pines lineup from four years ago... Yeah. And you look at how how those bands are like you know the zeitgeist of both music at the time or you look at another big lineup or like you know who was supporting who mm. and then four years later those bands are gone or like maybe those people have since formed two new bands that have mm. since broken up it's a very short cycle yeah it is yeah and um the years just go by so quick when you're in bands yeah because you plan things in years like alright this year we're doing this and we're going to release that and then the whole year just goes or you, so do, you don't plan things and you just do shit and yeah. for the best and then it, it's just a really slow process yeah yeah um, I'm probably going to drop one more band name um, before we move on uh, do you like Mets? yeah, yeah. Uh, I 
I saw a little bit of their set when uh, Life is Noise brought them over here for Slanted and Enchanted in 2013. Oh, Life is Noise brought Mets over. Just to Perth. They, Just they, were, to doing, Perth. they were doing... Is that the double stage thing you did at the, the Astor? And yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. It was uh, uh, Deer Hunter headlined. I think Mets was second headliner. Cave was there. Fuck, what was I doing that night? I should have totally gone to that. Like, everyone I knew that was going, and I, yeah. I, I don't know why I wasn't at that show. I, th- I think they were doing Meredith in Victoria, and so that was like a sideshow for that, maybe. Yeah. Um, but I think they're playing Laneway as well. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, I was just looking at the lineup before I came here, and uh, yeah, they're playing Laneway. I saw a bit of them at when I was in the US. So I went to Fun 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 Fest, which is this really cool three day festival in Austin. In happens like November, early November, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I caught caught a bit of their set there. I, I I dig them, but like something about I feel like I should like them more. Mm-hmm. Like something about like I, they they seem to tap into what I really like, but I haven't really given them their due time, or it just hasn't hit me yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. I've only really listened to the the latest album, but um, just that alone got me really into them. Yeah, it's kind of this like cool, grungy edge to it, mm. like kind of like old Nirvana. It's got a bit of that crunch to it, hasn't it? Yeah, but and, it's kind of like a wallop as well. It's, mm. it's a, and really just really cool drumming, just smashing the crash and ride. Yeah, like I, I really like open drumming like that, like just things that are washy and, and what's big. what's open as opposed to closed. Um, he, here's the thing: I, I in, in all my writing about music, I've never known how to write about drums. <laughs> well, um, I guess closed and tight would be like grooves on the hi hat when it's tight and closed. Um, I think it, 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 yeah, there's not much to it. It's, it's literally what it sounds like. Um, and I think open is is when you just wash on the. Crash, you know, like a lot of Dave, like Dave Grohl plays like that. Yeah, Queens of the Stone Age, like that open sort of drumming. Okay, I mean that's what I get from it anyway. But um, I've never even really considered myself a drummer <laughs> that good at drums either. So I'm just kind of like bullshitting my way through. <laughs> but um, yeah, um, that that's how I, I I like big hitters when it comes to drums. Who are some I, big hitters? I don't. Um, I, I'm a big fan of like Deftones. I know that's kind of weird, but um, Josh Freese, obviously from... Um, from everything. From everything, from like Devo to a perfect circle. Um, I like, yeah, I like people that, that hit really hard. Um, all of the Mars Volta drummers I really like. Um, who, who was there aside from John Theodore? Um, there was one guy with big hair that I can't remember the name of. But oh, he, he did, they, did they have really two drummers at one point? Yeah, they've, they've yeah. gone through a lot of drummers. Yeah. yeah. They've gone through, yeah, they, basically every tour they had a new drummer. But um, yeah, I like... Like drummers that are also kind of like you know equally as worthy of, of having attention on stage. Like mm. you just focused on. Um, yeah, I like drummers that you remember. I think that's because I think drummers get kind of pushed back to the back against the wall. Yeah, and uh, I think it's really taken for granted. Like there's that old saying, like uh, if if the drum is good, you kind of probably don't notice them. Yeah, because it's such a core part of of the instrumentation. Yeah. It's such a backbone to the whole band that they do t- t- tend to get kind of pushed into the background I think yeah. how do you feel about drum solos at shows <laughs> I don't mind I mean I don't necessarily dislike them but if it fits the vibe of what you're doing fuck yeah I, I haven't seen that many but usually I do cringe the yeah. ones I've seen them I fucking hate them yeah. I mean like I, I, I mean I, I guess a, a guitar solo can be just as wanky but maybe I'm just more about yeah. melody than rhythm um, but I, I whenever I think of this I think of I went to see Pearl Jam and I want to see it was like Subiaco Oval or something maybe Matt Cameron's one of my favorite Maybe it was like 2006 yeah. or seven, mm-hmm. and um, 
there was like a two i want to say like a two minute drama so it felt it felt like a fucking lifetime yes yeah. <laughs> like you, it's, it's unless it's like a, a cool fill and it's a lead into something else yeah uh it's it I, that is fun it's so wanky it, it is very wanky and it, it also what it's kind of implying is that you haven't had stage time so oh this is going to be a couple of minutes where just i dominate well you should be dominating the whole set yeah i, mean. I, I guess i guess that's kind <laughs> of a staple of like that classic arena rock thing like yeah a, it is a very old school thing I a, think. a, a yeah. drum solo happening at the bird is yeah. not gonna go down well i imagine yeah i mean it's not the it's also the environment i mean like um if you have i know some drum solos where like it's an intermission so people walk off stage like tool do it a lot and then the, the drummer will just kind of hold down a beat for like a couple of minutes i mean that's a i guess an unorthodox way of doing a solo it's yeah. a solo without being wanky i guess yeah um that kind of works but if if you're doing it to show off your skill i find that really kind of unnecessary for some reason yeah it's like 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 that, that again that classic stadium rock cliche of like and here's johnny on the drums yeah exactly and billy on the keys and everyone's That's- like boom, boom. <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah um and i yeah i've i've got relatives that come over um sometimes and they they know that i play drums so the typical thing to ask if the drum sets are, if the drum sets set up would be like hey can you play like a solo and like show us your chops oh, and no. it's really bad because i can't do solos <laughs> so i'd like hop on the kit and be like bet and then you just see their face like oh i thought you were like good at the drums yeah <laughs> and i'm like this is all i could do i'm sorry <laughs> oh that's, that's that's it's so it's so awkward when you're like just a, a teen or early 20s or whatever you're learning to play music for the first time and yes like your, and, your, oh, your, yeah, un, your uncle or auntie's exactly. like oh i want to see yeah and and like the only thing you can play is is like the only thing you're playing lately is a song that they will never ever recognize yeah exactly and it doesn't yeah. necessarily show oh, it's just, yeah and i'm like but listen to how in time i am and yeah. like <laughs> they just don't get it They're like play something fast yeah play something angry and furious with heaps of drum rolls and I could never fucking do it yeah I'm just terrible at it. <laughs> just to about to the, I was thinking about when you were talking about Mets before when you listen to music do you like smash out an album a whole lot over a short period of time and then don't I, touch it for a while yeah I am yeah I think I definitely obsess over usually it's like one or two tracks on the album that I, I keep going back to and um yeah I, I'm very much I kind of sap all the magic out of most most of my um, musical interests. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I, I will obsess over an album for like a week. Yeah, yeah, and then kind of um, kind of sap all the juice out of it. And then <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I hate myself for doing that sometimes because I, I do believe some stuff should yeah it shouldn't be re- repeatedly listened to to the point where you, you drain everything out of you it you dilute yeah. it yeah yeah i i've been doing that a lot lately because when i was in melbourne i didn't really have a good sound i just had like either i listened to stuff on my ipod or i put my ipod in the little ipod dock or i listened to stuff in my laptop speakers which is yeah. never ideal um <laughs> and so when i got back here i was like oh i'm not doing anything today i've got like you know four hours at home or something i'm gonna just smash out a bunch of albums and i would listen to like just the same couple of things and then just kind of go through it again Mm-hmm. And that's what I've been doing lately. I've been listening to, um, like, I was listening to Unwound a whole lot for a week, and I haven't listened to them for a week. And I don't want to, like, just stop doing that. I want to be able to appreciate it over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And the last few days, it's been uh, this, there's this punk band who I got into a few months ago called Single Mothers from London, Ontario. And they've got this album called ne- their first album, Negative Qualities. It's like 28 minutes, and it's really good, but I, it always finishes really early. Like, it feels like it should be longer. 
and so I've started to like measure time in I was talking to my friend about this yesterday it was like my journey home is like one and a half playthroughs of negative qualities <laughs> and, I, and I listened to it it's like oh, oh cool you know this is I'm really enjoying this and then it's like oh yeah. fuck no this is the last track yeah. I, I don't know what to listen to now I'm, I don't I want more of this I guess I just have to go back to the start yeah I, I kind of, yeah, as much as I just said, like, um, about, you know, sapping the magic out of music by repeatedly listening to it, I kind of think that's cool because you, you kind of make these mental bookmarks in your mind. That's what I've found anyway, like, when you imbue the music with shit that's going on in your life that week. Yeah. It, uh, like a holiday or, you know how when you go on holiday and you have a particular album that you're just smashing, like, it, it suddenly becomes... Um, Charged, like the music becomes charged yeah, with memory, historically and emotionally. Yeah, yeah uh, definitely. Yeah, and so when you when you go back and listen to like an album that you listened to when you broke up with someone or whatever, and you literally feel those emotions rushing back, I think that's something really cool. Yeah, about music. yeah. I, I've always thought about that. There's this thing in Melbourne that they have in other city, other cities at writers' festivals called me- mixtape memoirs, where they mm-hmm. just get like five or six people to like stand up and read read a little piece they've written about how uh, a song or songs are tied to this one thing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was at a writers festival uh, at the end of last year New National Young Writers Festival in Newcastle and I was there's this like performance writing thing called Play That Sexy Music where like six people got on stage and talked about the relationship between sex and music and I talked about how when I was 15 I decided I really wanted to lose my virginity to the song Magic Dance by David Bowie from the Labyrinth soundtrack. Um, Good choice. So, so it's ridiculous. It didn't end up happening. I think I ended up listening to like so, like Fascination Street by The Cure, and I didn't even. That get, is pretty good. It's good, but I didn't even get past like the first like the opening bass line. Like it was yeah. just it was just all bass line, and then I was done, and then the rest of the song plays, and I'm just. <laughs> I was probably gently sobbing or something. Already done. Still, it still haven't, still hasn't happened to Magic Dance. But like when it, like that, that's that's like my in joke with myself and the few people who know is that that's like that song always has that thing for me. Yeah. Or yeah. um, uh, like I when I was at that festival in Austin, I caught the end of a set from Ice Age, this this post punk band from I think from Copenhagen. Um. And I started listening to the album heaps then, and, and I just always remember sitting in my little room in, in Brooklyn and then like playing that album or going on the train to visit my girlfriend and playing that album. So whenever I hear that, it it brings me back to that time. Mm, yeah. Whenever I hear, whenever I listen to Typo Negative's Bloody Kisses, I think I always remember like playing Warcraft three three a.m. on a Friday night when I was like fifteen, sixteen. Last cause week. Because I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I wish people more people play that game, man. Because I, but like I, I, I always have that memory, and, and it's it's a for me it's a cool thing. Like I don't have many songs that have been ruined by some kind of association. Yeah. Um. But I really do uh, like enjoy. And like, whenever I listen to like I, I was such a dweeby dweeby kid. I started listening to Typo Negative when I was like twelve. Mm. My brother got me into like some pretty pretty dark music pretty early dark on shit, I mean yeah. I know that's like that's not like that dark it's pretty poppy as well but I have memories of like being 12 and listening on Winamp to like my favourite song was everyone, it was everyone I Love Is Dead Everything Dies and Life Is Killing Me those were like yeah. the, the, the three pleasantly three titled songs that I uplifting tracks yeah dude Winamp holy shit yeah. that brought, even that alone brought back memories of high school and <laughs> the equaliser and the visualisations yeah and, and the playlists yeah like uh, I, I didn't even really organise my playlists I just had like my music folder and then it would just have like 3,000 songs on the, yeah. on the playlist and I would just yeah cycle through them but me as well um, a lot of the stuff in high school was really heavy shit 
that's kind of what I um I remember do you remember that old chat program MIRC Mark uh, 32 I was just on the tail end of that I would actually go I would on, get music off that so yeah I would go onto my we had like one computer when I was uh, like 12 or so and I would go onto that computer really early in the morning and just like start I don't know playing video games or dicking around and it would automatically log into my brother's Merc, Merc? is that how you pronounce it Merc? I don't even know uh, you can yeah we'll some say, people we'll say, say letters yeah, we'll it, say Merc, it yeah. would like on that and ICQ as well it would be like yeah. already logged in Uh-oh. and I'd just start <laughs> <laughs> remember that oh man <laughs> that brings me back yeah I, I would just start talking to his friends on the internet and he would get so fucking mad because yeah. because I was like six years younger than him just talking shit to his buds um, <laughs> fuck I'd forgotten about that uh, you have to Uh-oh. yeah 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 and and so much would be spam like you just get people um, I, I don't know well towards the end of ICQs just before it died basically it was just getting overrun by spam yeah like every account like you'd log in and get 20 messages from some person in, in South Africa or something yeah. trying to get you to give your bank details and then um, it all went to MSN which is a whole other yeah and then that died after after a while as well and now it's the the, uh, the big juggernaut of Facebook um, yeah. but I remember on Merck I used to there used to be these bots on these channels and um it, it, it would yeah no one was sitting there like actually typing and replying it'd just be a script like a bot and um you could they would just have these servers dedicated to uh music and you could go and get whole albums there through file transfer uh, within Merck it was all illegal <laughs> well as in like Merck would be the platform like you wouldn't go to another website you would someone would yeah. send you a file over the chat program yeah you, you'd right, go okay. on Merck and you'd like go to like let's say channelmusic.mp3 yeah speak to the operator which was a bot and you'd uh, it'd have a script, and you'd be like, uh, open whatever directory that they would have. Like they would have it all kind of um, in folders of genres, so like heavy metal, black metal, doom, whatever. Open up that folder; it'll have a list, a directory basically of bands, and you just say get file that one, and then. At the time, it was like 56k modems, so yeah. you'd wait like four hours, but you'd have like a, an album by the end of it, and that's how I literally got music. Wow! Uh, that that was the old day. That was before kind of torrenting and all that popped up. But, yeah. Um, it, interesting because it was uh it was all served by. It was all community-run, you know? Yeah. So, I guess... Uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm making excuses, but... It was a community <laughs> of pirates. <laughs> I, I, aren't there still a few things like that? There was, like... Oh, I seem to remember a couple of services that were, like... You had to be invited to mm-hmm. be a part of them, and yeah. they... I don't know if they were private trackers, private torrent services or whatever, um, but, like, really really vast music uh, directories essentially mm. archives whatever where yep. if you wanted to download like something that wasn't on the regular torrent sites you'd mm-hmm. go there but you had to get an invite and like some some kind of weird approval process yeah yeah there, there are some that yeah that that's up to the service um, discretion like whoever's running it they can, they can put a password on certain channels or yeah. you have to kind of get invited or have the right privileges um, within the hierarchy or whatever um, but that was yeah pretty much how I got music that's how I got into like Opeth and Dark, Dark Tranquility and all that stuff I would literally just read the name and go that sounds alright because you couldn't preview it yeah. you're like oh that album sounds okay and then I'll download it and almost like by default I got into those bands because that's what I downloaded so yeah. it's like I kind of forced myself to get into it and then um, before I knew it I was just like in love with like black metal and shit so. and I guess at yeah. this point a lot of this is like what early 2000s or late 90s um yeah late 90s early 2000s yeah because i guess at that point like the 
no social networks at all. Mm. Um, may, yeah. Maybe some of them have websites, but like for for a, a mid small mid black metal band or whatever, uh, having a website isn't really a priority or mm. maybe something that's affordable to you. Yeah. And if it is, maybe it's like a shitty GeoCities page and to, uh, to upload <laughs> GeoCities. Your, like, wow. I mean, I guess like labels probably didn't really have an idea, like small labels didn't have an idea of how to handle digital stuff at that point. So, yeah, it was all really new. And yeah. even if you wanted to, uploading a track or a video or definitely not a video, but uploading a track uh would would take ages and it would take a fucking long time for someone to download it and mm. it's nuts. that's amazing uh, i keep forgetting there was a point where all this stuff didn't exist like you couldn't just get what you wanted on the internet like, i mean you think of work for it think of how different like youtube only came around in like 2005 2006 when mm. i was towards the end of high school when you'd already graduated yeah think of think of how different that is just like the idea of watching video growing mm. up watching videos for for us in our teens and adolescence it was uh, it was TV, DVDs, videos. Mm. That was kind of it. And yeah, like, the, 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 there are people. There are people now who are like coming of age who probably have no experience with a VHS or a VCR. Yeah. And of course, I'm someone who has no experience uh, with things that preceded vinyl, with like eight tracks or mm. or with Betamax, Betamax, and all those other services. Yeah, uh, it's it's bizarre. I mean, it's every generation would have missed out on obviously the um the hardships that the previous generation had yeah. um i remember when like if you, if you even just wanted to watch a small video clip of a band it'd be like 10 to 15 seconds tops in a quick time format and you would have to wait about half an hour to download it and you could get that little sample of corn or limp biscuit or <laughs> yeah. whatever the fuck i was listening to back then um but you you would have to wait for so much of, of everything had to you would have to commit if you were going to get something, you had to commit to getting that. Yeah. Like, now it's like, oh, I'll just dump all this on my hard drive. And it's like, it's so easy now. And the only person making a clip like that would be, like, either a super professional video crew mm. doing yeah. it for the band. Or, or like, from the label or like, itself, yeah. Or, like, a shitty home video. Mm. Whereas whereas now, like, you know, you're... Because of the, the accessibility and, and capabilities of, of, like, of video and camera technology, you mm. can... You can be like shooting a gig, and you can get a, an amazing uh, sound and video recording of an entire song, mm. and, it and can, it'd be up that night yeah. of the gig. Like if, <laughs> if sometimes if I if I really can't make it to a show, and the band is relatively well known, I'll just YouTube the, the show, yeah, and like watch maybe half a song or something, and that'd be my attention span before I move on to <laughs> creepy pornography. Or something. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, um, yeah, it's it's a it's a topic that's always brought up on this podcast for some reason, like um, just technology and is it necessarily making us smarter or is it necessarily making us dumber like I've seen good arguments both sides um, but who knows I think um, we're taking a lot of stuff for granted I think And um, but I, I am every now and again amazed at just the stuff that we have access to it's just like the fact that I'm talking to you precisely and <laughs> and I'm putting up an mp3 that maybe three people download um, later <laughs> but like it's it's I don't think about that at all I think about the process and because the stuff that I'm getting out of it, it like the end result of the podcast being up on the website that's like whatever but it's the conversation that I'm having now with you that is is what matters mm. um, the fact that it's up on the website is, is kind of irrelevant but it's there for people that are 
have the patience to to listen to me <laughs> and me yeah and babbling you. on yeah um but for, for me it yeah it, it really is like therapy um just being able to sit and talk um so it doesn't yeah uh, people always come to me and talk about analytics and stuff like do you want to know how many people are listening and i'm like no i don't <laughs> i really don't i know i know i should and it, like if i want to grow this thing it's probably something that eventually i have to look at but i'm just really enjoying the process way more than the, the result at the yeah. moment yeah i think that's as good a note as any <laughs> to conclude on yeah totally thanks for coming down anyway, do you want to when's this going up you want to plug disconnect or is this going to um, be after this that? will go up like tonight yeah we'll, we'll plug up disconnect you, yeah um you're playing it so you take over <laughs> um on the 11th of december uh fate will be playing i think around 4 or four thirty. um in the chapel the fairbridge chapel um i'm not sure if that's the official name for it but uh basically the church in fairbridge um but uh there's a whole heap of other good acts playing um the the local acts of yeah some of my favorite bands methyl yeah. are playing tim nelson journey in the moon uh tideline of course so many acts lilt who, who i had a chat with um a couple of days ago they'll be on the main stage but um i'm really digging this whole like open kind of three-day camping family-friendly sort of vibes um i'm enjoying the that whole angle of things i think that's refreshing well hence the name disconnect but yeah. like, it's all about getting away from things and you know it's, it's it's about an hour away it's not too far so um yeah i think that show will be will be really cool it's it's good seeing people trying to do things that are a little little bit different i think we there's a bit of a, a festival oversaturation so i guess it's it was only a matter of time before places start doing things mm. a little differently but yeah it's good to see that it's happening with yeah. such a good lineup so. are you going to be there all three days um not sure not sure but it, it's not that far from here in Canningvale so it's only about 45 minutes south from here cool um, runs kind of parallel to Mandurah so I might go back yeah I want to kind of catch um, Father John Misty yep and Pond who else we got we got King uh, Gizzard King Gizzard Goat. Goat yeah are you into those bands yeah uh, King Gizzard uh, Goat I, I, I need to properly I do this horrible thing I, I should like research bands before I go to these festivals and go see them I, I yeah. like so often I'll buy, I'll buy a ticket or I'll be going to a show and it'll be a band I like but I haven't actually revisited the material in a while because I, yeah. I have that horrible listening habit of like, just like smashing something out for a week or two yeah, and then yeah. moving on and then just repeating that process with yeah. different records um, but yeah it's, it's a pretty it's a cool looking lineup I'll, I'll, I'll be there most uh, I don't know if I'll be there the Friday I don't know if I have to get off work early because you guys are on the Friday right at 4 yeah at, at 4 it's a, it's a tricky time slot but I, th- I think um, I think somehow it'll work yeah yeah, yeah. cool yeah, um, it should be good, and and all the best with you and uh, your new position. Although yeah. now it's not, it's the honeymoon period slowly ending. It's, You're it's, probably it's set, settling in. Still, oh, a, ho- still a honeymoon. Still a honeymoon. Yeah. Maybe I mean, I, I, yeah, it'll be a honeymoon until until Christmas, and then it's a honeymoon of its own. Yep. Do you get some time off? Or yeah, I get a couple of weeks. It's good. Yeah, good. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was like I, I like landed on a Saturday and I started on a Tuesday, and then I worked a bunch of events. So it's been pretty. I've gone from like having fuck all to do in Melbourne and hanging out with the same six people to like work in an office where I see 20, uh, 30 people more a day yeah. and like going to heaps of gigs and meeting new people seeing people I didn't even know were in town anymore all kinds it's of awesome, shit it's yes. I can, I can feel nice. it I can feel it on this side of the table yeah. I, it, it's uh, revitalizing I yes because oh, you've, you've got a you know you've got 
something official that you can work towards and you, you're getting a whole new angle on things from the inside as well. I, I have business really cool. cards as well. That's fucking weird. And a weird. lot of business cards and a lot of demos probably, right? Uh, that's, that's not my territory, thankfully. But you can see the box when the, you're going. The, yeah. there, there have been some interesting packages coming through. <laughs> yeah. I'm talking, yeah, like, like I, I don't know how to describe them, but some oh, there was, there was a, s- s- a song, a single recorded by an anti-vaccination group that came through a couple of weeks ago. Okay. Um, and you can imagine that press release read exactly as you'd expect with lots of capitals and exclamation points and bolded words yeah yeah yeah. well basically Um, it was like a a flyer (laughs) for for some yeah yeah featuring a song yeah Yeah, uh, yeah. there's some yeah there's interesting stuff that comes that way but also heaps of amazing shit from all over the world so that's yeah yeah that's great dude yeah all all the best uh, with RTR I'm sure I'll see you at a gig sometime likewise and and all the best with the fating about no worries how exciting yeah things are happening good times I'm the worst of goodbyes by the way so we'll just uh, cut this off Um, (laughs) Matt Tomich thanks so much for Tomich, we went through this before. Oh yeah, I've been told before. I've, I've been making so many mistakes. Um, yeah, it's just like Sunday and Sunday. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I was bound to get it wrong. Anyway, thanks so much for coming down. Thank you. <laughs>